Morning, Monday morning. Gosh, what a miserable weekend. Do you know what? The worst weekend in living memory. Wet. In fact, yesterday I really wasn't prepared for the, for the amount of rain that was coming down. It bucketed down yesterday. And I thought every time... Well, I went out and it was fine and I came back in again and then the heavens opened and then a friend phoned and said, oh, don't forget you're popping round. I went, OK, because I just poured myself a Baileys and brandy. And I was settling down. To, yeah, all together is lovely. And uh, I th- just settled down in front of the television, have a nice movie on. And so I was sort of going through my movies and very kindly... Ray sent in a documentary for me about the monkeys. Because Davy Jones, as you know, died the other week. And there was a documentary that they made. Oh, my goodness me. This was, this was riveting watching. This was the monkeys and the people behind them talking about the problems that they'd had. So they took these, these four lads and they said, right, you will do this. And the four lads went, OK, they all started. The rebel was Mike Nesmith. Mike Nesmith was the one who went, we're not doing that. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. And they were going, listen, you don't sing. You don't dance. You just turn up as these zany characters. Do all the stuff. Because at one point, Peter Talk walks into the recording studio with his guitar and they go, um, it's very nice to see you here, Peter, but it's all laid down. We have all the musical tracks. He went, I thought I'd just bring... He went, no, 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 it's all been done. The whole thing was programmed from start to finish. In fact, Mickey Dolan said that they never even knew about the merchandising. The merchandising started when the series finished. They had no idea. And yet there they were going out and uh, they were looking for songs. I think it was Don Kirchner who did the, the songs. And he said they didn't have any talent. So you can imagine how frustrating. You've got, you know, the biggest boy band, as it were, uh, up there on the television going around the world... And, uh, and they didn't earn very much money out of it. They were told what to do. You will do this, you will do that. You don't do this. Uh, can we do some of our own songs? No. You do what you're told to do. And that's exactly what they did. And the answer was, if you don't do what you're told to do, we'll, we'll replace you. It was a fascinating documentary. It was the best thing I've seen in, in ages, because I, I knew the story roughly of the monkey. So, Ray, thank you for that. It was really good. Really, really, really good. Lovely. Uh, we've got uh, loads of things to get through on the programme this morning. In fact, we've got actually a really, really, really busy week. Very, very, very busy week. Uh, the Daily Mirror have done uh, Pauline Quirk's weight loss again. To be honest with you, I'm, I really couldn't give a flying forex about people's weight loss. Now, weight loss. I mean, I know she's got a book out, because they, they, they cash in. And as she says here, she was approached by a company to lose weight, so she decided to, to lose weight. And, and to be honest with you... If you were approached by a company, ladies and gentlemen, and offered money to lose weight, and then the opportunity of bringing out a book, you'd do it as well. You'd do it as well. You'd be that sort of person. So, you know, I just see it as a shameless way of people making money nowadays. Fine, you know, if that's how they want to do it, great. But don't, don't try and pretend that you did it all by yourself. You'd do it with the help of people. It's like all the people who actually bring out the, uh, uh, the, uh, the fitness DVDs. They're doing it because they've been offered a huge amount of money. The company goes to say, listen, do you want to earn 150,000 quid by Christmas? Yes. OK, here is this trainer. OK, let's have you, Porky, in the park. And uh, we'll have a picture of you looking really fat. OK, if you can just sort of stand there, sweat a bit. Wait a minute, spray you with some glycerin. OK, we'll make it look as though you're really sweating. And then we'll go, this is what I look like. And this is what I look like now after three months. Because they've had trainers. You watch. Year and a half's time, Pauline Quirk will be as big as she was before. I'm hoping it's not going to be true, but I promise you, that's how it, uh, that's how it normally works. Very interesting. God, I saw the worst television programme I've ever seen in my entire life the other day. 
It, it grieves me to tell you how awful the uh, the program was. I mean, it was it was so bad. It was so so. Not only was the presentational skills appalling, but the people on it were dreadful as well. It was it was. I couldn't even believe it was appearing on the television. I think it was called Dancing for Sport Aid or something like that. Hosted by Steve Jones and the girl from the One Show. Two of the worst presenters I've ever seen. She can't present for toffee. And he was kicked out of America because he can't present either. And having watched him, you can understand why. No presentational skills at all for Steve Jones. Behaves as if he's a 12 or 13-year-old. He appear- He's just messing around. And he's, he's supposed to be an adult. It was, it was just terrible, 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 terrible presentation. It was absolutely awful. And then, they obviously pair, in inverted commas, celebrities. Which means these people believe that they are celebrities. So we have on, and it grieves me to say it, Scott Mills, who was dancing with Ollie Murs. A great relationship, if ever there was in the making, I thought. Ollie Murs, who can dance but can't sing. And Scott Mills, who can speak but quite clearly can't dance. He's got two left feet. I began to wonder whether or not these people had ever rehearsed. They appeared to be doing completely opposite things. It was just rubbish. The whole programme was rubbish. A panel of people only to, had ever heard of two of them. And then they had a couple of people dance. I didn't even know who they were. They went, oh, this is... Who are they? You know, if it was if it was some old bird off Hollyoaks, I could understand it. But I didn't know who these people were. They didn't explain who they were. They just said, this is so-and-so, so-and-so. But, uh, but to watch this programme, and presented by Steve Jones, I mean, the BBC must have been off their trolleys. The girl from the one show, she can't present on the one show. Why on earth you think you can let her free wheel? God alone knows. It was just terrible. I lasted, I'm afraid, about five or six minutes and then, bing, off it went. Off it went. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Here she is, foul-mouthed old bag, Lydia Dim, from The Only Way is Essex, uh, getting in a bust-up with a security man in a kebab shop. She must be the most overdressed person to turn up in a kebab shop. Poor old soul, honestly. Of course, uh, apparently little Lydia recently split from her co-star, Arge. But he then confessed last week on the programme they just recently had sex again. Do you remember that? Uh, we split up, but yeah, I, I had sex with her. And you think, oh, these people are more disgusting than you ever imagine. And here she is, Lydia Dim, and um, with her sort of little bottle of water. What on earth she's wearing? I've got no idea. What are you wearing, fat face? I have no idea at all. I'm really sorry. We have no idea. I'm quite sure that, you know, it's, it's all very sweet and very lovely and you're trying to make a living. You know, not easy, is it? Because we saw the bust-up between Lauren Goodger and uh, Jessica Wright. These people talk like five-year-olds. So anyway, so I don't want to say nothing to you because like, you, like, diss me. And then we saw Joey Essex attempting to be butch the other week. I mean, poor old Lydia Dim. I mean, there's not really a lot going on between the ears at all, I'm afraid. You can tell she's got a nasty little temper on her. She just looks like it. And, of course, all these people... Nobody forces them to go on the programme. They've done this voluntarily. Yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Yeah, I won't be star, I won't be star. And then they go on there and... Oh, dear me. You kind of lose the will to live, don't you? Oh, lovely. Here's the oldest topless model, age 60, Annette Edwards. She's a mum of ten and a grandmother of nine. And she's officially recognised by the Guinness... World records for peeling off. So she's, um... Oh, she hasn't stripped naked for a picture. Thank God for that. I think there's certain ages, and I think I'm it, where you should be covered up. That would be too much. You know, I, I think that, uh, that really... 
I think I think the moment you get past 22, you shouldn't take anything off at all. I think you should be well covered. I think you should lock the bathroom door. And I, th- yeah, and I think you should have the lights off in the bathroom. I, I, re- I really think so. <coughs> That's what I think now, of course. I'll have changed my mind a little bit later. Actually, uh, Jim Shelley is talking about bigger, dumber, and Essex, uh, Essex, uh, the, uh, everywhere. He says, some people said the only way as Essex would never survive the departures of the charismatic talents of Mark Wright and Amy Charles. How wrong they were. He says, people pick up on the way that the only way as Essex is staged. But it isn't scripted. Ricky Gervais or Jimmy McGovern would struggle to come up with characters or dialogue as great as Guy Fawkes died on the cross on a bonfire or that Pancake Day is about Catholics celebrating. I mean, it's just... In in retrospect, you know, it is Mario's birthday and they had a fancy dress party. You've never seen so many Muppets in your entire life. You've never seen such a bunch of saddos, I'm afraid. One regular went dressed as Gandhi... Must be Mohammed Gandhi, and another as Maria Sharapova. Diags, I don't know who he is, Diags, uh, Arge and Joey went as the Three Musketeers, but Diags wasn't happy. There's four, he insisted, Athos, Portos, D'Artagnan, and then the, then the little one. And so it goes on. Lauren Poppy, the oldest old hag in the business for page three girls. When was the last time they asked her to model? A long, long time ago, apparently showed off her boob job. Chloe who's just... I mean, it is a ladyboy, isn't it? I'm assuming it's a lady. Because by the time you get all these girls in the club, and I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, you must have sat down... I mean, the, the Fahir sisters aren't even 23, but they look so old. And it's because they're, they're quietly, quietly plump, I think, and they've troweled on the makeup. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it, it was a little bit... A little bit sad. A little bit sad. Sadly, nobody's mentioned... Wait a minute. No... Poor Lydia Dim didn't even get mentioned in Shelley Vision. Obviously not making an impact on the programme, Popsikins, at the moment. Perhaps you need to try a bit harder. Perhaps sleep with Arge again. Make it more entertaining for us. But at the moment, it's not happening. It really isn't, I'm afraid. Uh, still, 22.1 million is out there. It's not been claimed. Not been claimed. Somebody won it on the lottery. You'd think they'd want to go for it. I was so hoping it was me over the weekend. I looked at the weather outside and I thought, do you know, I wonder if it's me. But, you know, if, if you click on to your, onto your website. Because I've had a few texts from them going, congratulations, the ticket you bought for the, you know, as, is, is a winner. And then you click on and you go and you've won £10. You think, hardly worth bothering telling me. I just send it in an envelope. So much easier. And, and I thought, what would you do if, if you'd found that, that, that £22 million ticket? I mean, that, really, that, would, that would kind of make your day, wouldn't it? You, you, you could go down to Essex, you could go down to Brentwood, and, and you could just sort of drive around looking. Because you could spot all the cars, because they're the ones who are over-made up. All the rest of the people at Brentwood look quite normal, apart from these other ones who look like they've wandered off the Reaper Barn, including Lydia Dim. Poor soul, honestly. It's quarter past four. Morning, quarter past four, Monday morning. I know you don't want to get up. I really know you don't want to get up this morning. In fact, if you have just turned on the radio and you're looking out the window, you're thinking, oh, I don't want to get up today. A lot of people phoning up sick, I reckon, going, I don't feel too sparkly today. I've got to talk later on to Gilbert O'Sullivan, who's uh, out on tour, very much looking forward to talking to Gilbert O'Sullivan, and, uh, and to Daddy, my Daddy, Jenny Agata who's going to be coming in as well this morning. We've got a, a week full of pre-records for In Conversation. I mean, absolutely a week full of people. Everybody from Alexander Armstrong to uh, Danny DeVito to Ruth Jones. Lost track of how many there are. There's loads, loads of people coming. I think two at least every day this week. 
We'll have no voice left left at all by the time we get to Friday, which is interesting. Um, some of the things that we could talk about this morning, some of the things we looked for your uh, for your comments. I know Christo was going on about the uh, the people who ripped off the pensioners, and uh, I didn't find that story in the papers. So I, I don't know if it came off the uh, came off the wires or not, but I, I didn't find it in the papers. The son of doing the uh, forty five million pound lotto winner who has banned his mum from his life. Now, that is his business. I don't see this as being any business of anybody whatsoever. His name is uh, Matt Topham, and he fell out with his mother um, about seven years ago. Uh, The moment he wins the money, she writes him a three-page letter uh, going, oh, I really want to be friends with you and all of it. And he's going, I don't want to know you. I don't want to know you at all. They've not spoken, but she wrote this letter. He's not interested in you. You know, get over yourself, because it's beginning to look like you're a bit desperate trying to get back with your son through a newspaper, and it's painting him out to be, you know, not a very nice person. Whereas, in fact, if he doesn't want to see you, he doesn't want to see you. And she says, I've got the hurt, I'll always love him as son, but to him I don't exist. Well, then stop going to the papers and embarrassing him. He doesn't, he doesn't want to know about you. Why are you doing this? Did you get paid for this story? Don't go to the papers. It's embarrassed him. You know, he never mentioned it. He's had his lottery win, he's never mentioned you at all, and now you're the one dragging it all up. Last night, Matt refused to discuss his split. He said, I have no comment, you'll have to go through Camelot. I quite agree with him. Mind your own blooming business, it's got absolutely diddly squat to do with us at all. Nothing to do with us. I couldn't care less whether he wants to talk to the the postman or the milkman, but he doesn't want to talk to his mum. It's as simple as that. MPs? have rounded on a leading Catholic for blasting plans to legalise gay marriages, Cardinal Keith O'Brien slammed David Cameron's proposals proposals as grotesque, surprisingly. The Cardinal, who's leader of the Scottish Catholics, accused the government of trying to redefine reality. He says it represents a grotesquely subversion of a universally accepted human right to a mother and a father for every child. What a backwards person he is. What an old-fashioned person he must be. What a sad, lonely person. Apparently 100,000 have backed him, but that's 100,000 what? Nothing. Doesn't make any difference. Good God, there's 70 million of us in this country. 100,000 people is nothing. Nothing at all. Apparently MP Margot James, who's a lesbian, told the BBC it's a completely unacceptable way for for a prelate to talk. I think this sort of scaremongering is what it is. It's just scaremongering. Well, I just think it's very backwards. I mean, you know, what, what I find quite interesting is that when you get a leading Catholic like this, you know, where has all the child abuse come from? The Catholic Church. Where is, you know, there more gay priests? The Catholic Church. Why on earth would somebody come out and sort of decry somebody? Grotesque subversion of human rights. Anne Widdicombe, of course. I mean, what's the point of asking her? She's never been married. No point at all. She says here, the fact is a lot of gay people don't want this. She's only spoken to three. She's only spoken to three. She hasn't spoken to a lot of people at all. Christopher Biggins did a thing about it a while ago, saying he didn't see the need for gays to marry in the church. Why would you want to? And so she's jumped on that bandwagon. She's never been married. She hasn't got the faintest idea about marriage. She doesn't know anything about gay people, apart from the fact she goes out with a lot of gay people for dinner. And that's the extent of it. How on earth she can say a lot of gay people don't want this? How many of you surveyed, love? How many of you surveyed? Answer, not very many. It's no good going by Christopher Biggins, which you wrote about in your column a short while ago. She says, it's not a question of being out of touch or tradition. It's a question of wanting to preserve marriage as unique between a man and a woman. So th- th- that explains why you're still single, does it? 
I don't quite understand. You know, nobody's saying that it's going to be compulsory and that Anne Whittaker will have to marry a woman for her to be acceptable in the modern-day world. She says gays get full... Gays. She talks about them like they've got leprosy or something. Gays get full rights with civil partnership anyway. There's a widespread opposition to this plan. One opinion poll said 86% thought you didn't need gay marriage to have equal rights. Who have you asked? Who have you asked? Answer, she's been out with a few gay newspaper people who sort of pander to her because they get all the witties very funny. No, she's not. Not very funny at all, I'm afraid. She's, uh, she's not even backwards. It doesn't even come into that. At one point, she said during this dreadful quiz called Clever Dicks, make up your own jokes, uh, she said, of course, I was nearly PM. I don't know when that was. I don't know when that was. Perhaps she's become a bit delusional because people laugh at her when she dances and, uh, and the quiz and everything else. It's, it's a desperate effort to try and, I suppose, you know, get some sort of interest. But, you know, don't, don't target everybody with exactly the same brush that your three gay friends have got because that's about what it comes down to. You know, it's, it's, it, it really is quite bad in this day and age. Uh, Bob in Manchester says, I wholeheartedly agree. Dancing, ah, uh, dancing for sport aid was appalling. The presenters were dreadful. The acts all but unknown. I didn't know who half the people were. They, they did a, a list of the people dancing, and I didn't, I didn't know them. And I felt a bit embarrassed, the fact that I should know these people. I'm in the business, but I don't know who they are. The week before, they had Amy Childs and that dreadful little, um, dreadful little person, Harry, her cousin. I mean, two of the stupidest people you're ever likely to meet. And, uh, and this week, I mean, the presentational skills were just awful. I mean, it was, it was, you know, all right, I don't think it's even excuse saying it's, uh, it's, it's going to charity. I just think it's appalling. It was just dreadful. Mm. Oh, I like my cup of tea in the morning. You know, you like a cup of tea in the morning. I could do with a chocolate biscuit to dunk in it, but I suppose we couldn't be that lucky this morning. Um... Also in the uh, papers today, Susan Boyle has finally hit back at uh, Ricky Gervais. Uh, the reason that Susan Boyle has hit back at Ricky Gervais, not because she was particularly bothered, uh, is because I Dreamed a Dream is opening at Newcastle's Theatre Royal on March the 23rd, and they're trying to get some publicity for it. Um, to be honest with you, I can't imagine. Uh, what she says here, I can take whatever Ricky Gervais says, he's the one with the problem, not me. He didn't say you had a problem, Susan. He just says you weren't all there. He called her, a, I think, a, a, a mong, but she's called him a wasted talent. I didn't know what a mong was, to be honest with you, but apparently he's used it for years and years and years. Speaking about the comic's insult, she says um, he's got the problem. He's a talented man, but he's wasted himself with those comments. I think people who liked him are not so keen now. I don't think that's the case at all, I'm afraid, Susan. It's very sweet, love. But put it this way, the day that you can sell out stadiums is the day people start respecting you. We've seen the way you are. You know, very sweet. You're not a great singer. I've said this to you before. You weren't that great. Even the Pope thought so, because he left after your first song. And, you know, I've seen you try to sing, I dreamed a dream in times gone by. And then you were up against the cast, and they wiped the floor with you. You're not very good. In a studio... It's, it's quite clever, but then you can make One Direction sound like they've got talent. So it ain't that difficult to stick you in a studio as well. But uh, if, if it's, a, if it's a, an effort to, to get back at Ricky Gervais, he's got many more fans than you have, many, many more fans, made more money than you have, and it's his opinion. Luckily, in this day and age, everybody's entitled to an opinion. If you're not entitled to an opinion, it's, it's absolutely dreadful. Uh, hidden Michael Jackson songs have been stolen by computer hackers. I didn't even know there were any hidden Michael Jackson songs. 
And telepresenter Mary Portis is delighted to find out that she's going to become a mum with her lesbian lover. Because Mary... You see, I wonder, I thought about this the other day, actually. Mary Portis has got this new programme on television. And, and it's to do with her going round, checking what underwear women are wearing. Now, Mary Portis is a lesbian. Would it be the same if Gokwan went up and down the streets? Or Alan Carr checking on men's underwear? Would, would somebody in the papers not write, I felt distinctly uncomfortable with this gay man going around checking straight boys' underwear. In the same way that I should imagine straight women find Mary Porter's equally unsettling when she comes around sticking around down the back of their jeans trying to find out what underwear they're wearing. I found it very disconcerting. I know she doesn't wear her lesbian badge very proudly, but uh, I do think it's slightly odd, because you wouldn't have Alan Carr doing or Graham Norton. Imagine. And Whittaker would be up in arms. Well, I think it's disgraceful, these homo men out there touching each other and having to having a look and seeing what pants they're wearing. It's ridiculous. Never seen anything like it. But apparently if Mary Porters does it, it's OK. So there you go. Oh, here are the, ah, here are the cowboy builders. Big, fat, traveller swindlers. They brought shame on, on decent traveller families. Although, to be quite honest with you, when I watched Big Fat Gypsy Wedding the other week, which should be renamed Traveller Wedding, because they're not gypsies at all, um... A, they don't seem to travel, and B, all the men have got pixelated faces. You don't see any men in that programme. It's all the women. And to be honest with you, it really was a bit rough the other week I was watching it. They were coming up to a wedding. And again, it was one of these enormous dresses. that one. It wasn't a wedding, it was a prom. And one of the girls, because I'm the only gypsy girl in class, in fact, you know, even though there was a whole campsite down the road, there was only one who went to school, and, uh, and she wore this dress for the prom, and the school had said to you, you'll travel on the bus with everybody else, that's the way it works. Oh, no, three, I didn't even know people had 1.3 million. One elderly woman paid 31,000. This is a caravan site in Cleveleys in Lancashire, and they charged her 31,000 for her driveway to home in Blackpool. 31,000 pounds! For a driveway. The worst thing is, well, I've, I've got a book at home and uh, it, it, it achieved the bestseller list. It's called Gypsy Boy. And it's a very, very interesting story of a, of a true gypsy, not, not one of these travellers. And he says in the book, uh, and he was, he was shunned by the community, firstly because he was gay. A gay gypsy is kind of like bad news, even though many of them are all doing it. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's a, it's, it's kind of... People don't talk about it, but there's quite a few gay, gay gypsies out there. And so he wrote this book about how his father used to get him up in the morning and punch him in the face to harden him up. They were taught to target old people. They were taught to shoplift by their aunt. Their aunt used to take them out on shoplifting expeditions. And this book blew everything aside. All this cobblers about, about culture and it's culture to have the big dresses. He said, it's not. He said, this is not culture at all. He said, it's certainly not in our culture. He said, I don't know whose culture it is in. He said, but we were taught to target pensioners because they were easy. The more vulnerable they were, the easier it was for other families to go and target them at the same time. Because what they do is go round and they go, um, can I have a, I'll, 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 oh, that chimney needs doing. When they get up there, they go, you need a few of these slates doing as well. And old people who get, you know, some people have dementia, some people, you know, suffer with things like that. They didn't know. And they go, listen, it was, it was two or three hundred pound. It's going to be, going to be about nine hundred and they would go with the people to the bank to get the money out. They were that thieving. Luckily, Frank Tomney is now in jail. And um, his uh, Tommy Senior's nephew, Brian Tomney, was jailed for four and a half years for tax evasion and fraud. 
Which, of course, brings me around to the other story, which appeared on the front of the the Sun on Saturday. Was it Sun on Saturday? Can't remember. There's a Sun every day of the week now, and it's it's as bad as it ever was, I'm afraid. Especially with the ridiculous Katie Price's column. I mean, dear Lord, as if she writes anything at all. This week, we must look after the uh, the elderly. I thought, good Lord, what a what a staggering thing for you to write. In fact, it's so good... I've saved most of Katie Price's comments for um, for my for my uh, special free podcast later on today, but uh, forgot what I was talking about actually. Now, so they've got all these these sort of people, and they're, they're charging all this money, and people fall for it. But get this book out; it's on Amazon. Gypsy Boy. It's very interesting. Oh, here she is, foul-mouthed old Lydia Dim. Uh, she was having a row with a man after a night out. Funky Mojo in South Woodford. Lydia was held back by a male pal. Foul-mouthed old bag, honestly. That's the trouble you go to your kebab shop. I want, I say I want chilli. can just imagine. Nobody goes to kebab shops, do they? Unless you're really, really desperate late at night. Meanwhile, apparently, uh, Lauren Goodger is expanding her business empire. A bit like her body, I'm afraid. And uh, she's, uh, she's up north stocking a Yorkshire boutique with makeup and fake tan. How cheap and tacky. But there you go, that's Lauren Goodger for you, otherwise known in the series as The Fishwife. I didn't name her that. I think every columnist named her that, poor soul. Uh, anyway, loads more to come from the papers. It's LBC 97.3. I'm in such a good mood this morning. It's 4.30. Morning, 28 minutes to five. Steve, after I had the flu, I had the same irritating cough that you have until somebody recommended, whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but it tasted nice, says Ash, thank you. Uh, is your cough due to a new blood pressure medication? No, I've, this is, um... <coughs> it just made me cough again. Six weeks. Six weeks, this cough. Saturday, Saturday, <coughs> Saturday I, was, I spent the whole morning coughing, which was really peculiar. Literally, every five seconds, I got this irritating cough again. And everybody's had it. And I don't know what you could do to get rid of it. So I've, I've changed my medication. Went out yesterday to, to... I had to go to Boots, I'm afraid. Normally I'd go to good, Goods, as you know. But I went to, to Boots. And the girl behind the counter was very helpful. Because I said I'd like some, um, some cough mixture for a tickly cough. But it's got to be sugar-free. She said, I don't think they make sugar-free for a tickly cough. They do it for a dry cough. So I bought that. She said, perhaps it could be dry. I said, whatever it is, it's very annoying. So I bought that in today. Then I bought some uh, Benelin. Day and night stuff. And then I bought them some throat spray. I mean, I've practically got a small chemist going on. I don't mind a small chemist going on, I have to tell you. But it's just very, very irritating. Very, very irritating. Very sorry, but best not to judge. But yes, everybody has an opinion. You see, well, that's all we hope for, isn't it, nowadays? Everybody has got an opinion. If somebody deliberately puts themselves on the television, in other words, they put themselves up for a programme, then they get everything that is due to them. It's as simple as that. If you don't like somebody on the television, so luckily it's a free country. Luckily, we're allowed to have an opinion, and we don't like the cast of The Only Way is Essex. There's very few of them who are likeable. They're all quite nasty, foul-mouthed, filth, you know, potty mouths. Potty mouths. And Lydia Dim is just one of a, of a long line of people like that. You know, she's the one with the barking mad mother. You know, which you see on the television. These people set themselves up. They deliberately put themselves on television because they think they have some gift. What she thinks her gift is, what Lauren Goodger's gift is, I've got no idea. Jessica Wright's uh, gift is just to be foul-mouthed again. To watch two women having, a, having an argument, whether staged or otherwise, is almost, almost, almost sad, I'm afraid, to watch on the programme. But I like watching it. And, uh, and I think that if, if you do uh, watch it, you're entitled to comment. And that's why I see that Danielle Mason is back in the pit. This is Jessie Wallace's uh, little sister. She's um, she's a topless model. 
She's another one who's, who's with a gypsy boy, or should we just call him a traveller boy, but his, his family don't want her anywhere near them. Because apparently travellers don't like page three girls. Which is rather a shame, because looking at what she wears and seeing what I saw on the television at Big Fat Gypsy Wedding the other week, I thought she's actually better dressed than most of these traveller girls. I've never seen anything like it. Where do they get these little... I mean, girls wearing little skimpy shorts and little, little crop tops. What kind of look is that? Really cheap and disgusting. Really cheap. And it turns out that all the traveller boys sleep around, but the girls don't. It don't quite make any sense here. So she's on uh, the new programme, because luckily... Her traveller boyfriend has paid for her boob job. So there you go. She says, it's going to be cringeworthy seeing our rows on television. It's cringeworthy seeing you full stop, love. I don't know whether you're rowing on television. I couldn't really care less about the rowing on television. doesn't really make that much difference to me. But uh, I suppose if it makes some people interested, then that's fine. 850 registered sex offenders are on the run. 850. On the run. They're not even in prison. They're actually on the run. Dreadful, isn't it, really? It's on the front page of the uh, of the Daily Mail this morning. Uh, frost and snow on the way back in again, I'm afraid. Just... <laughs> can't believe it, can you? Here we are, March the 5th, and they're going frost and snow. Oh, by the way, thank you very much indeed to all the people who, um, who wrote in, because I said the other week, I'm with the Royal Bank of Scotland, and I don't want to move to Santander, thank you very much indeed. I don't even want to be with, uh, with Nat West. I want to stay with Royal Bank of Scotland. I've been quite happy with them up until now. Couldn't care less about anybody else. Do what you like with your accounts. But I decided I wanted to stay with them. And uh, I thought the idea of being part of a Spanish building society, no thank you. Nothing against the Spanish. I just don't want to be with Santander. And then somebody wrote in and said, ah, there was a programme on the television. Uh, sorry, on the radio, which was saying, if you don't want to move to Santander as a Royal Bank of Scotland customer, go into the branch. They're not allowed to advertise it. And you say to them, do you have the form for moving my account? And they go, I'll just print that up for you. Because it's against the uh, the contract they've done with Santander. And so if they say, listen, you know, you, you, you can all move your accounts, most people, given the choice, probably wouldn't want to move to Santander. Why would you want to? I've seen the queues in there, thank you very much indeed. I don't even like the colour logo. I don't like anything about it. They might be lovely. I don't want to move there. As far as I'm concerned, Royal Bank of Scotland's a bank. Whether it's owned by me or the guy, I couldn't care less who owns it. I've always been with it. I don't want to change it. So I went in to the Royal Bank of Scotland and I said, do you have the form for moving my account? She says, yes, I'll print one up for you. So she's printed it off. It's so simple, but you've got to do it soon. If you're thinking of doing it, you've got to do it soon because you can't leave it because at the end of the month it stops and they'll transfer you over, you know, whether you want to go or not. Apparently most of the staff working for RBS have been transferred to RBS in Edinburgh. And so on this form, you fill it in, you put your account number and your sort code, and you sign the bottom of it, you just say the reason for moving, and you send it off to them, and they do all the, all the rest of it. So all the associated accounts from that one will be dealt with at the same time. So I'm hoping to move to Edinburgh, because really, we do it online. It doesn't make any difference where my bank is. I don't even go to my branch. In fact, I've, I've only ever been to my branch a couple of times, and that was to go out with the manager for lunch. But, um, you know, if it moves to Edinburgh, that's fine. We just do it online. Money gets paid in and we just do it all online. I could still use the, uh, the cash machines and stuff like that. I don't even have, I don't need to go. I mean, occasionally I might want to go to Edinburgh to visit my money. You know, small little... They bring it out, they show you. And here it is, and we, we, we put it all on this small set of scales. And, uh, and that's all your money, Stephen. Thank you very much indeed. So that's all you have to do. So I was very grateful that everybody told me about it. Because I, do, I don't want to move. I really don't. I find it another erosion of something that we got used to. I was, uh, 
very happy with William and Glynn's. Because all these banks are all owned by the Royal Bank of Scotland. You, you had William and Glynn's, you've got Childs, Coots, Drummond's, all the, all the big, what we call, posh banks. I mean, Coots, posh bank. You would imagine if somebody banked at Coots, they've got a fair bit of money. Drummond's is down at Trafalgar Square. It's quite posh. You know, you get a feeling of, you know, you go in there and go, do you have any £50 notes? And, uh, and they go, yes, of course we have. How many would you like? Three. You know, you go to the local branch, have you got any £50 notes? No. You think, it's a bank. Why have you not got any £50 notes? But uh, I've, I've decided that uh, I'm definitely going to, definitely going to stay with RBS. It's as simple as that. I don't want to be in part of Santander. I don't know how fussy other people are about their banks, but I'm a, I'm a bit peculiar like that. I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I want it to be like the bank in Mary Poppins. I'd love to have enough money. If I discover I've earned this, this sort of, yeah, if you've invested tuppence in a bank account. <laughs> tuppence, I ask you. Tuppence, my goodness me. Pocket money prices, ladies and gentlemen. But I, I did think to myself, if I won the 22 million, I would probably move to Coots or Childs or, or Drummond's or something like that. I just like the idea that it's an old-fashioned, I'm British, I like a bit of old-fashionedness. I like the idea that at Drummond's, and I've had lunch there, which overlooks Trafalgar Square, they've got all the records from, from when the bank began, all handwritten, all their ledgers were handwritten. Stephen Allen, £3, 6 and 8 pence, you know, and stuff like that, and I like that idea. I like the idea. I've got an accountant who writes by hand. My accountant, Steve, writes everything by hand. You know, most other people, they're on computers. No, he has a computer, but, he's, uh, but he, he writes by hand. Which I think is absolutely marvellous. Oh, nice picture of Catherine Jenkins in the paper. She's smiling because she's doing Strictly Come Dancing in America. She's not doing our one. Presumably there's not people up to the right standards. But uh, she's going out with her partner, Mr Ballas, and they shared a taxi together. This apparently proves that they're an item. You know, it doesn't prove anything at all, does it, really? really doesn't make any difference. Like, there was a picture in the paper this week of Tulisa... I think it's on holiday in Mark Wright. And they went, it proves they're an item. It doesn't prove anything of the case. It really does. It just proved that he was there trying to capitalise on her fame. And somebody went, OK, put, put, put them together. There you go. Now they're an item. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, £4,000 for slipping on a potato. Apparently, NHS staff are claiming nearly 20, 20 million, do beg your pardon, £20 million pounds a year in compensation for injuries such as bruises... There's one here. A nurse was given 1,650 quid for a blister, apparently caused by serving mashed potato to a patient. God, we've got some dim people out there, haven't we? Another one here. This is a fellow worker at, I think it's Wrightington, Wigan and Lee NHS Trust, was paid how much for hurting their back after slipping on a toffee wrapper? How much? 2,750 quid. Small wonder there's all these companies on the television. Or as I prefer to call them, ambulance chasers. Have you fallen over recently? You get 100% of the compensation. Mrs So-and-so got £6,000. And of course all they're doing, they're, they're, they're obviously just appealing to people who deliberately go out there to fall over things. I've never met such an accident-prone country. There's one here. <laughs> West Hertfordshire Hospitals paid out how much to a staff member for hurting their shoulder throwing litter into a waste paper bin? I mean, you've nearly £3,000 for that one. The same group of hospitals <laughs> also gave £5,000 to a porter who cut his thumb unloading meals from a trolley. I'm going to go and work for these trusts, I tell you. They're obviously easier and easier. A lot of people getting ready to quit the Halifax. You one of those? Your mortgage is going up. 
Your mortgage is going up whether you want it or not. They've decided to put it up, and there could be a mass customer exodus. They've got 850,000 customers, and they've put it up from 3.5% to 3.99%. That's the standard variable rate. And, uh, it's, I mean, to be honest with you, what, what it means is a house buyer with a £100,000 repayment mortgage will see the costs jump by £24.30 a month, or just under £300 a year. Now, for some people who are struggling at the moment, this isn't going to help. Repayments on a £100,000 interest-only mortgage will rise by £40 a month. That's an extra tenner a week, or just under £500 a year. I suspect, really, that many people will be uh, going out today, finding out and asking all the experts, all the money experts, how they move their mortgage. Because, you know, why would you want... I suspect they're all going to end up doing it. That's the trouble nowadays, isn't it? It's, it's, it's just no good, really, for sort of people saying, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll just find the money from somewhere. People are now saying, no, I'm, I'm going to move. I think it's about time we actually took our, uh, our sort of our own destiny in our hands. If, if you're with RBS and you don't want to move to Santander, go get the form. They can't tell you to get it, because it looks like they're taking customers away from Santander. I can tell you. Because I'm an RBS customer, and I'm telling you that the situation is out there. You can go to any RBS bank, and they'll print off the form for you. You fill it in, you get it back as fast as possible. It's got to be done by the uh, the end of the month. I didn't realise there was a line-up the other day, uh, people who were sitting at a fashion show. You know when we, we look at fashion shows on the television, or, or on the media, and there's lots of celebrities? They get paid. They get paid to sit on the front row. Apparently, Nicole Fari has become the first major industry figure to speak out about the practice, calling it abominable. She says it's so unprofessional. I've never paid a celebrity, and I will never do it. She lives in North London, and um, she says here, uh, most notable Burberry show, which saw its front row packed with a host of well-known faces, Alexa Chung, Jeremy Irving, Rosie Huntington-Whitley, uh, although it's understood Burberry does not pay for front row appearances, which is good. But you do see these people, and that's what gets them into the newspapers, because we like to see celebrities there. But isn't that the same, really, as... I mean, it's an appearance, as far as I'm concerned. If it's an appearance, and you're sitting there, and you have to go... Th- I mean, let's face it, most fashion shows are dreary, dreary. You know, a lot of skinny little models doing these funny walks up and down the catwalk, you know, and, and strange people. And most, most of the fashion designer are completely balmy bonkers. They really are. Some of these outfits they try and get people to wear. So I just see it as an, as an appearance. I see it as like turning up to the Oscars and being given a goodie bag if you're a celebrity. Whether it's worth, you know, 100000 or whatever it happens to be is neither here nor there. In a moment, the most horrific piece of television you'll probably ever see, but it's getting the biggest ratings in China. Why? I'll tell you after this. LB... Morning, 0845 6060973. Uh, Steve, RBS owned Drummonds. I've just said that. We washed our ears out this morning. I said they own Drummonds, Coots, Childs. They own all the banks. All of them. And I, that's why I like the old-fashioned banks. Uh, Steve, my bank switched my account to Santander. Didn't think we had a choice. Should be listening to LBC 97.3, but more often then. Because I always tell you what, what you can do. So here is this programme. I wonder whether or not you would watch it. I, I, I would watch... I would watch this programme. They, they've hit on a new way of getting a huge audience in China. You take a very, very glamorous presenter, and she is very, very glamorous, and she interviews who? She interviews murderers. 
not just interviews murderers, she interviews them minutes before they're taken out and executed. She does the last interview with them. And these are people who have committed horrendous crimes. As you know, China's uh, record on killing people is not the greatest in the world. They execute women, men, young, old. They couldn't care less. They just execute. Mainly, they're executed by firing squad. And so what she does is she goes to the prison and she gives them their last, their last interview. Literally, she sits down with them. They are manacled. I looked at the pictures yesterday. Uh, hands and feet. They've got armed guards standing around them because these are people. They, they, they have nothing to lose. They're going to be executed. This isn't a stay of execution. She interviews them and says, well, I shall pass on all your messages. And then what one man said to her, you know, can I shake your hand? And she went, don't think so. No, don't think so. And so she just lightly touched him. They're literally taken from the interview with her outside. Bang, shot dead. That's the human rights issues in China. This has become the biggest programme in China. Everybody watches it. And I've always maintained that if you wanted to get an audience for a programme, show executions. Because you'll all watch them. Everybody would watch some. If they said, you're going to watch people being executed by firing squad and, it, you know, it's five o'clock on Channel 4 today. You know, people would be sitting there going, they're not really going to show it. Remember when they showed that, that documentary? I can't remember who showed it. It might have been part of a panorama thing. Death of a princess. A princess in Saudi who'd been convicted and was beheaded. And they do public executions, where they lead somebody out and they behead them in front of people. And people go there. It becomes like, uh, well, we used to do it. So we can't go, ooh, that sounds dreadful. Because we used to do it up at Tower Hill. Public executions there, it was, it was a holiday for the whole country. Well, so it's for London. People would turn up, there'd be, you know, fun fairs going on. And then the accused would be... And sometimes you might, if you were lucky, you got about ten in a day. And you could spend a lot of time outside the Tower of London just waiting for the next execution. They would bring them out there, chop their heads off, hold the head up, and that'd be it. So it's nothing new, just that now they're thinking they're, they now televise it. The only thing they don't show you on the Chinese programme is the actual execution itself. Not that, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's, you know, part of your, your, your human rights not to show that kind of thing. You don't want to see that sort of thing, do you? I don't think. Unless, of course, you think differently, 0845 6060 or 0845, uh, I've forgotten the, the number now, actually, steve at or 84850, 84850, which is my, uh, which is my text line, steve at 0845-6060-973. Would you watch executions on television? Would you? I would. I, have to, I, think, at the, I think at the moment I'd look away. But there again, I'm like that with injections. I've only got to do a hospital programme or, or one of these embarrassing body programmes and I have, to, I have to look away. I have to, because I, I don't want to watch anything like that. So, in fact, I'm, I'm probably fibbing. I'm probably saying, yes, I would watch something like that, but then I would, I would look away at the moment. It's like when they had that programme on the television, the man who, who wanted to die on television. He wanted people to see him dying. And the truth of the matter is, there isn't anything to see at the end of somebody's life. They just do a deep breath and that's it. You know, you could see, see the body shutting down, but, but there's no sort of, you know, people screaming out or doing their last words or going, I'm going now, bye. You know, there's none, none of that kind of uh, stuff at all. Uh, Tesco's are boosting the economy with more jobs. They say many will go to unemployed young people. I thought there was a thing a short while ago which said that Tesco's and all the other supermarkets said we're going to create 68,000 new jobs. And it turned out they didn't. They didn't create half as many as they thought they were going to. But the only people who did was, I think it was Morrison's, who actually went over and above. 
I missed the meteor which lit up the sky the other day. So wanted to see a meteor. I've never seen a meteor. Some people thought it was a shooting star. Uh, some people feared that a plane had crashed. And um, it, it just went on. It lasted about 30, 40 seconds. Uh, it flew over the channel towards the Bay of Biscay. Well, presumably, it's sort of because it, they, they were saying on the news over the weekend, check your back garden in case it's loud. I thought, you bloody will hear it. You'll hear it. I've seen some of these things on uh, on YouTube where they've actually shown you pictures of what meteors look like, these meteorites, when they hit the Earth. One of them created a crater 20 miles across. It was so big. I mean, it was, it was millions of years ago. And it's 20 miles across this crater. You look at it and you think, and that was just one... One small little meteorite hurtling through the sky. Stranger things in heaven and earth, as they say. Uh, this is Cardinal O'Brien. He's in the paper again. Leader of the Church in Scotland saying the Coalition is seeking to redefine reality with a grotesque subversion of a universally accepted human right. It's this old banging on again, I'm afraid, about, you know, a marriage has got to be a man and a woman. And according to Anne Whittacombe, because she's really an expert on gay matters, uh, gays don't want to get married in the church because she's spoken to three homosexuals she knows, and Chris Biggins said he didn't think it was a good idea. So that's what she bases her ideas on. She knows nothing about it, and yet she spends a lot of time going out with gay men for dinner. What they talk about, I've got no idea. What they talk about, I've got no idea at all. All very strange. Very, very strange indeed. I see Lempit uh, Opic is launching himself again. Oh, he's such a dreary person. He really is. I mean, honestly, a man with so little talent... You know, I mean, it's it's just an embarrassment, Lempic. It's finished. Stay at home. Get a get a proper job. You know, go and stack supermarket shelves or do something. But just stay away from the media. It's it's not good for you. It's it's not not helpful at all. Um, there's a this this is a strange one. Disabled drivers wanting a blue parking badge have won a victory over a council who put the office they need to go to on the thirteenth floor roof of a car park with a lift that only goes to the eleventh. I mean, how stupid is that? This is Liverpool City Chiefs have agreed. It's not the ideal location of plan to move it. And what do you mean, not the ideal location? How stupid do you have to be in Liverpool? It's not the, it's not the ideal location. But, uh, but we'll, we'll see if we can do something about it. God, blimey. Oh, dear. A bonkers row has broken out. This will appeal to Noreen this morning. Uh, between two bands who both wanted to be called Plonkers... <laughs> this, they look a bit like Adge Cutler and the Wurzels. You remember those, I'm a cider drinker, I am. And they're a little bit like that. Uh, Gordon Brown founded the uh, the Plonkers, but then Jerry Rickman is disappointed. He's, he's lost the battle to be called the New Forest Plonkers. It's, do you know, I mean, I remember once there was a shop in Acton and they painted the front uh, green, and it was the same green as Harrods. And Harrods took this little shop to court for using the same colour green or using the same style writing on it. And I thought, you know, honestly, sometimes some of these, these big shops would really bend over a little bit more for the little shops. You know, they must have been desperately worried, mustn't they, that somebody was going to take away business. As if, as if you're going to go to Acton and think you're in a branch of Harrods. You know, I've been... I mean, you might, you might get a little bit confused. Uh, 84850. Mary says, I don't want to wish to worry you, but I've had my cough for over a year. To be quite honest, I'm thinking of giving it a name. I've had it for so long. I'm going to call it Steve's Cough. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, Hazel, are we, are we listening this morning? I don't, are we washing our ears out? Coots belongs to the RBS. Yes, I know it's RBS. It's the same. It's owned it for donkey's years. Coots, all those banks are owned by RBS. Am I talking to myself here and facing the wrong way or something? God, blimey, honestly. We've already said this. I'll repeat it again. I'm with you again on this one, OK? Coots... Childs, 
uh, Drummonds, all owned by RBS, Royal Bank of Scotland. If you're with RBS, you don't want to go to Santander, all you have to do is go and get the, the form from the bank. I'm with you, Steve, says Bob. What's the matter with an appearance fee? As you say, fashion shows are the height of boredom. Exactly. If somebody's got a film to promote... You know, say Steve Allen's just appeared in, in a new version of The Borrowers or something like that, and they go, right, there's a fashion show coming up. Um, we will pay you to sit in the front row, and it gives publicity to us and publicity to you. I don't see any, any problem with that at all. I think that's, that's, that's what celebrities survive on. It's either that or they do a silly fitness DVD, or they do a, a diet, and then drone on endlessly about the fact that for years they were 50 stone, and now they're now down to 7 stone, and they're really happy. Because that's exactly... And then they put it all on again, which is most of them do. I had to laugh the other day. They've given Natalie Cassidy a column. I mean, you've never read such a pile of dire bilge in your entire life. These people drone on about the dreariest thing. After Katie Price was given a column, and frankly, it's, it's, it's almost wetting yourself time, the rubbish she comes up with. I've, I've, I shouldn't imagine... I think somebody must have to drive down to the house and say, So, what are we going to talk about today? And she goes, oh, I don't know, because I plugged my makeup range or something like that. Because <laughs> you remember, it was only a short while ago that Katie Price was jetting off to America, where she had loads of, loads of big things happening. Nothing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm ever so sorry to report nothing. In the papers on Sunday, they finally admitted that Katie Price doesn't have anything going on in America, which is actually bad news, because I thought we were just about to get rid of her. But sadly, we've, uh, we've managed to keep her for a little bit longer. Uh, Madonna is said to be considering a proposal to get married again. Not sure whether I think that's uh, that's such a good idea. I mean, she's fifty, fifty something. Pauline Quirk says I wasn't big boned or pleasantly plump. I was fat. Yeah, we know you were, because you were overeating. That's what it was. And it's and it's lovely to sort of to see somebody thinner, and and it's great. But all people who go on diets put it all back on again. It's a known fact. Very rarely, you know. She says I was in agony. All the fight had gone out of me, and I'd hit rock bottom. She's flogging a book. Let me tell you, as well as the lighter life diet. And uh, the book is £17. By oh, God in heaven. I'll tell, tell you what, OK? Lovely actress, very nice. I liked her plump. If she's happy being thinner, fine. But don't, you know, just don't go on about it. I realise you've got to make a living, but God, God. It's like the front cover, as predicted on this programme of OK! magazine. Peter Andre standing there looking as if he's been drenched in a shower, talking about the agony of his brother's cancer. And, and whilst we have immense sympathy for anybody who has cancer, do these people have no private lives? Is there nothing that they will not talk about? Because you wonder sometimes, you feel like saying to Peter Andre, listen, should this not be dealt with privately by the family? Are you setting up a trust or something? I mean, what are you doing? Because just talking about it is just awful. Nobody cares. It's your business. It's your family. You know, now you've dragged your brother into it. Oh, it was the worst time. So he's done this interview about how he flew off to Australia. Terrible though it is, Peter. Try and have some privacy in your life. Try and have something that means that you've got... Because otherwise, I can see it happening in a few years' time, you're going to be complaining bitterly about press intrusion. Whereas you've sold every aspect of every bit of your life. Everything. We know all about the children. We know you love your children, to the point of boredom, I'm afraid. We know about your dreary ex-wife. We know about your family. We know about Peter and his, his concerts, which apparently are dire. I didn't realise. I mean, the fans keep going, but apparently they're terrible. He's only had one hit single. Might have had two, I think, pushing it a bit. He had a perfume that uh, that nobody bought and was remained in Poundland a short while ago, and um, and it was it was all just you know. So I suppose he has to keep going, poor soul. I think he thinks he's Michael Jackson. 
He's just not, I'm afraid. Doesn't write decent songs, you know, doesn't do anything. Natalie Cassidy was saying in her column, you know, because I've got this new thing at the moment, she's, she's promoting book reading. <laughs> I thought she was an actress. Apparently not. Apparently not. She's now promoting book reading, because they all jump on any old bandwagon, don't they? News is next. It's LBC. It's Monday morning. It's a bit of a damp, miserable day, I'm afraid. I wish I could offer you some crumb of comfort and tell you exactly how, uh, how fantastic it is. But, uh, but the weather is, is not great. I'll give you the weather a little bit uh, later on this morning. We've got the news at five coming up. It's nice to be company. Welcome along. It's LBC's Early Breakfast with Steve Allen until 6.30. But it's Sam Pittis who's got the news at five. Morning, four minutes past five. What a miserable day. Ever so, I wish I could... It's, it's been that, uh, that terrible weekend. That terrible weekend of rain. And now they're saying snow could come back in again. Snow and the wintry winds. You think, oh, no, not really. In fact, Noreen said we had snow on on Sunday. Good grief. Well, actually, well, no, we definitely didn't. We just had a driving rain, I'm afraid. And, of course, because the Hammersmith flyover, I think they're dragging out as long as possible. And I say that because we went over it this morning and nobody's working on it. Nobody's working at all. It was all just completely pitch black. As you dr- and you think any other country, they'd be working 24 hours a day to get this thing finished. Because coming into town yesterday, I had to come in to, to see a friend of mine in Labrook Grove. And, uh, and the traffic was tailing back past the Hogarth roundabout. Because it comes down to one lane to go over the thing. And a few people were working on Sunday. Nobody this morning. Nobody. Well, if they are, they're, they're hiding. Perhaps they're working inside the bridge. But certainly I've not seen anybody inside it at the moment. Yeah, they're working underneath the bridge. Well, they weren't. They weren't. I'm here to tell you that they're not. Any other country, they'd have had that done. So the budget for it must run into millions and millions of pounds. Millions and millions of... It'd be cheaper to knock the thing down and put up something else, I would have thought. Because, you know, there seems to be a lot of people milling about all over it, but not very much action going on. It's a bit like Leicester Square. There's lots of people milling around now, whereas before they were just sitting on their brooms. Now, there's a lot of mess. A lot of mess out there. So, um, the Solid Silver 60s show is brilliant, says Noreen. I was feet away from them all. You didn't get up and dance. Tell me you didn't dance. And what I adore about Peter is he watches the show from the wings. Seen him do it loads of times. Got some brilliant photos. And I heard that remembers me. Sue Johnson. Really, really good. She was lovely. She was lovely. Do, do download it. It's on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. You can download all of the uh, the nice things on there. 0845 6060 Britain's struggling retailers are unknowingly, surprisingly, uh, driving people away from the high street with poor customer service. Do you think you get poor customer service in the high street? I think we've all, we, we've all said before, you go into the high street... I went the other day... And, uh, I mean, it's, it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It's, it's, it's not such a big deal because I've experienced it before and I just put up with it. And I, I fancied getting some crusty rolls and, and I fancied having some, some nice Wiltshire ham and, uh, and, and putting some, some mayonnaise on it. And I, I fancied that. I fancied that. So I go into Greg's. Because we haven't got any other bakers, I'm afraid, in, in Twickenham now. We lost Belmont, sadly. Hopefully it'll resurrect itself. And so I go into thing, and there's a girl behind the counter and a bloke, and they're chatting. And I'm standing there, and there's a bloke serving some people who wanted the hot food. And the last time I went in there, the girl said, I said, can I have four crusty rolls? She said, six for a pound, or whatever it was. I went, oh, I'll have six then. So this, I'm standing there. It must have been a good 
minute and a half, two minutes, before the bloke even acknowledged the fact that I was there standing at the counter. He was too busy talking to the girl who, was, who had the broom. And I felt like saying, only when you're ready. But I knew damn well that if I turned round and said to them, listen, I'll go somewhere where there's customer service, they couldn't have given a forex. They don't own the shop. Why would they worry about it? And if you wrote to Greg's, all they'd say is, well, we, we have had, uh, you know, a tightening up. Because there is no service in shops in the high street. There really isn't. And I, I, I didn't say anything. I just, I've, I've got four, four crusty rolls. And he carried on talking to her while he's picking them up with his hands. And I'm really funny about people picking things up with their hands. I'm thinking, you know, have you washed your hands? Have you not washed your hands? A bit funny. I think they should be wearing gloves. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just a bit like that. I've almost become a little bit paranoid paranoid over the whole thing and so he sort of gave me the four rolls what he should have said is you can have six for a pound as opposed to only making 80 pence so not particularly bright either but it's the fact that they carry on chatting and customers become almost superfluous apparently many retailers mistakenly believe that consumers prefer to shop online so customer service isn't as critical. In a poll of more than 5,000 UK shoppers, researchers found nine out of ten people will leave a shop with their money unspent if the service isn't good enough. I've done that. I've done that. I've picked something up. I've stood there. Nobody's bothered to do any service. And I've thought, oh, I'll just put it down and walk out. You know, and sometimes you do see things. You see somebody walking in to a shop and uh, they pick something up. They look at the queue on the till. They put it back down again. You know, I, I never understand why I went into Poundland the other day. I mean, I understand why I go to Poundland, because they've got things for a pound. And so I went, uh, went into Poundland. There's, there's six or eight of us in the queue. There's one girl on the till. Now, surely, with the intelligence of a gnat, she would have pushed her little bell, ding, 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 and one of the other people who are stacking the shelves would have come round and worked the till. It makes perfect sense. But no... There she is on the till. And you feel like... But, of course, because half of them don't speak English, it's a bit pointless saying, should you not get somebody else on the till? Look, there's a queue of people here. We don't enjoy queuing. Pull your finger out. No manager's ever around. Never seen anybody managing. Just a lot of people stacking the shelves. And it's amazing how when Poundland first opened, there were some local people working in there. They've all been replaced. They've got rid of all of those, and it looks like the cheap labour force, I'm afraid, has come in. It's a little bit disappointing, I'm afraid. Anthony in South Woodford says, First Direct for me. I haven't been inside a bank branch for 20 years. Yes, I have First Direct as well. Although, to be honest with you, as the mortgage is going to go up, I suspect very shortly I'll have to change it. I can't remember any of the passwords. I haven't got the faintest idea. They ask you. And, and, if, and if you only get sort of two or three right out of the six they ask you, they hang up, which, is, which isn't very good, I'm afraid. Um... And uh, and so I, I sort of thought to myself, perhaps I can phone up and say, listen, you can think I'm really stupid. This is my account. I can tell you where the money comes in from. It's transferred every month from this account, blah, 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 blah. Can we reset all the passwords? Because I'll need to write them all down. I don't even know where the things are. I did them years ago. Years and years ago. Dreadful, isn't it? So, do you think you get good service on the high street? Have you done what I've done, which is walk out of a shop before... And sort of gone, I'm not really bothered. You know, you sort of stand there at the till. Nobody ever says, when they, you know, if, if you're standing there by yourself. I was in Card Factory a short while ago, picking up some cheap cards, because they were doing four for a quid or something, quite handy for birthdays. And, uh, and you stand there by the till, and there's nobody. I mean, I could have just walked out of the shop with these four cheap bits of cardboard. But I did, I'd be up on Crime Watch. Does anybody recognise this man? That's Steve Allen. I know exactly, he's walked out with cards. So I stand there like a complete idiot. And then eventually somebody wanders out from the back. And there's no sort of kept you waiting. They don't care. 
They absolutely don't. It's so rare to go into a shop and actually get s- customer service now. That's why I was so surprised when I went to Boots, and I don't do Boots, because I've got my, my private uh, chemist in Twickenham, and they look after my, my prescription and everything else, and I, I quite like going to Goods. But I had to go to Boots yesterday because they were open, and I needed my, to get some cold stuff. And the girl behind the counter, who, to be honest with you, could have been a schoolgirl, she, she, she seemed to know all about you know, sugar-free and what was in this one, and you can't have that one there if you're diabetic because it's got this sugar substitute. And she and I, I felt like saying at the end, do you think you're very knowledgeable for somebody? Because most people who work in these things, they just stand there, and, and you go, uh, sugar-free, and they go... And they stand there staring at the bewildering array of medicines behind them, going... Uh, they've got no idea. And they, and they, they say, um, do you see it on the shelf? Do you go, yeah, you're looking at it. Because I don't know. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It, but you, I can understand, if you work in retail, and I've worked in retail, that you get customers who are a pain. But, you know, to stand there and ask for things, also to be ignored in a shop, that's what annoys me more than anything. You know, it's, it's really, really annoying. It's really annoying to be ignored in a shop. Or failing that, they actually carry on chatting whilst they're serving you. I mean, that annoys me even worse you know, we just don't get the service that we want. I suppose it's like voting for politicians. We end up with the politicians that, that, we, that we don't expect because they fib to us all the way during the election. Oh, yes, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. Then you put them in power. They get, well, actually, I can't, I can't do that at the moment, I'm afraid. It's the second time, Steve, that I've heard about this uh, story interviewing murderers. It shows how the media love nasty China. Um, it's in all the papers about this woman. It's become the huge success over there. I mean, it's absolutely become enormous. Enormous. Interviewing murderers and, uh, and then they're, they're taken out and executed. I don't... I, th- I think they know they're going to be executed. I'm not sure if they know that it's going to happen exactly then. But, but uh, either way, she does an interview with them and she, um... And she seems to conduct it well. Although she's a bit scared of these people, as indeed you would be. Some of them are mass murderers. One, you know, they cut his, his mother's head off or something, and he's being interviewed. And then there was another one, because homosexuality is illegal in China. And so, you know, people get executed for that, and then somebody else did... Oh, just dreadful, dreadful things. Uh, Tuppence said your bank account, says Brian, is enough to buy a bag of pigeon food from that woman on the steps of St Paul's. It is true. Jane Darnell, her name was. The woman who sat there, f- feed the birds, Tuppence are back feed the birds. We've got a balmy old woman around Twickenham who feeds the birds. Every morning she's out there. She looks like she should be sort of taken out and sat on the steps at St Paul's and she puts down a ton of bird seed. So I'm going round now with, with weed killer spraying the bird seed, hoping to kill all the pigeons at the same time. Dreadful, isn't it? Because there's nothing more exciting than poisoning pigeons, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, there was a very funny song written about it years ago called Poisoning Pigeons in the Park. And it was written, it came up on... Um, it was in a it was in a um, a musical. I can't remember who actually wrote the thing now, but it features on uh, Cameron Mackintosh's "Hey Mr. Producer" and he sings, you know, when the sun is da, 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 when we're poisoning pigeons in the park. And I think how wonderful. And this woman feeds. I mean, she throws tons of bread down, so it attracts all the rats. There's big signs at Shepherd's Bush, you know, do not feed the birds. There they all are, the barking mads, throwing all the bird seed out, which attracts. Rats, I'm afraid. Uh, Jay says, I can't believe you shop in Poundland. Well, better get over yourself, then. Of course I do. When I say shop, though, I don't do food shopping. 
Tracy says, Marks and, Marks and Spencers give the best customer service. Always open another till and apologise for keeping you waiting. Well, as I, they say that. I said that to somebody once, though, in a shop. They went, uh, oh, sorry to, sorry to make you wait. I said, well, I, I didn't have any choice. There was nobody else here to serve me. <laughs> and they looked at me blankly, which I thought was always a bit strange. You know, when people look at you strangely, because some people just don't do irony. And I, I, I do like irony. I'm very good on irony. And you say something to somebody and they go, mm, right. You know, because nothing I can do, so sorry to make you wait. Well, what else could I do? There's nobody else taking money here apart from you. And that's it. And then they all, have you noticed in Marks and Spencer, if you're buying clothes, they repeat your size so we can hear. That's XXL. Yeah, that's fine. Fatty. You know, you just feel a bit over. You go, yeah, fine. Is, is that the right size? Well, I don't know. What do you reckon? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, 84850. Uh, oh dear. I was listening to Ghost Hazel, who's now got completely off the wall. You said you might want to join Coots and Sids, but it's the same as companies RBS. Why would you want to do that with the parent company? It's completely separate banks. It's completely separate banks. Are you, are you in the same world or are you on medication this morning? Quite clearly medication. Bridget had said we had driving rain all day yesterday and an hour of snow. Well, we must have missed this. We never got this around my way. Didn't Johnny didn't get it in Essex. So we don't have any snow this week. Thank you very much indeed. So the reason you're not shopping on the high street is because you're driven away by poor service. How much better would it be if somebody recommended stuff to you? That apparently makes you want to go in a shop. So in other words, if you went into, for example, uh, I go into Goods the Chemist... And I say, I'm looking for this, and, and Mr. Shah will say, well, there's this, we've got this one here. And so I'll go, I'll try, I, I go on recommendations. You, you, you should lead somebody. If you go into the fish shop, I would expect Sandy's. If I, I don't do fish very often. As far as I know, they don't do breaded scampi, but I mean, who knows. And, uh, you know, if I went in there and I said, oh, I'm looking for sort of fish, I don't want any bones in, they would then recommend something. They would say, you go for this and that. If you go into Poundland, the only words that they know is, you want a bag? And that's it. They don't, they don't have any other conversation with you apart from that. You know, you go to the kebab shop, you want chilli sauce? That's it! There is no conversation. There's no conversation in the kebab shop apart from chilli salad? No, ju- just meat. Chilli sauce? No, just meat. You want salad with that? Chilli sauce! No, sorry, just meat. And so you get quite confused. It's, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? That you go into a shop now and sometimes, you sometimes, I can have a whole conversation with somebody without them opening their mouths or saying a word to me. I'm always the one at the end who goes, thank you, just to wait and see if they've actually registered that I was a customer. But most of them don't do that. They're too busy trying to get back to the conference. I understand it must be boring, but if I owned a shop, I'd oh, go, blimey, I'd have a blue fit. Paul Cooper's classic example of this in Twickenham. He doesn't like any of his staff to just stand around if there's customers. Out, out the front, out the front, get out the front, get the customers, get the customers. That's how you make money. That's how it works. You know, the better the service the more chance there is of you giving your business to that person. If you, if you go into a restaurant and I say, oh, I'd, I'd like so-and-so, and the waitress goes, actually, it's not very good, then I'll, I'll go by a recommendation. And so I go, well, w- would you have so-and-so? That, that does look particularly good, but the, the other. I would, th- I would think that would be quite helpful. It's like going into a Chinese restaurant and, and, and you say, oh, I'll have this, 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 and this again. Listen, you don't need all of that. That's far too much food. You just, you know, little, little bits. Much better. So we don't seem to have any service. But there again, I think it comes down to the management. I think the management should be training the staff. When I worked in retail, admittedly, a long time ago, but I don't think it's changed. Because I went to, where did I go this week? We went to, uh, to Selfridges. And we went to John Lewis. And that was all very nice indeed. 
And, and you tend to find the girls who are the most helpful, traditionally, are on the makeup counters. Because the rest of the stuff you buy by yourself, you know, you could look at clothes. I like it if somebody says, you know, you're all right, do you need any help? And I go, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just looking. Just having a quick look to see if there's anything you've got in my size. Which, of course, most of the time they haven't. But, uh, I, but I do like that idea. I like the idea that somebody is offering. We were always taught to go up to somebody in retail, you know, if somebody walked into the department, and to go, morning. Sir or madam, I know it's, it sounds trite to say that, but we were taught to do it, and that's why the store was successful, and it's still running, the store I worked in. And you say, good morning, sir and madam, can I help you? And if they go, no, I say, well, if you need me, I'm just there. You know, if, if, and nine out of ten times, you'd walk back and you'd stand there with your arms behind your back, looking very officious, and they go, oh, and you think, why didn't you ask me two minutes ago? But anyway, you go back with a big smile on your face, you go, yes, and they go... Uh, this carpet, would this be suitable for, um, for, for downstairs use? I go, this is heavy domestic. This carpet is very good for downstairs and for any area that gets a lot of wear. If you're looking for, say, uh, a bathroom carpet or, uh, or a bedroom carpet, then you, you don't need anything that's uh, as dense, you know. You certainly wouldn't put 100% wool on stairs. You'd put 80-20. The 80-20 mix of wool and nylon makes it hard-wearing, heavy domestic, and you get contract carpeting, which is the stuff they put in hotels. And so you would tell them about it, and you would steer them in the direction you wanted them to go. No good just standing looking at a piece of carpet going, this, this is green, and it comes in brown and blue. You know, because that's just dull. The whole idea is you've got to make it an entertaining experience, not just for, for them, but for you as well. So I don't think that there is much of this going on in the workplace. Certainly not on the high street, where people are sort of desperate for a job, but they don't, but they don't really want to work at it. You know, if, if I got a job in the fish shop, God help us all, you know, I would be expected to know about Coley and Pollock and stuff like that, because that's what I'd be doing. I'd be selling... It's no good standing there and somebody goes, and these crabs are from where? And you go, the sea? You know, you've got to know where they come from. You know, are these from the Bering Straits or something? And this is Siberian crab claw. Nobody seems to know anything, do they? You walk into a shop now and you say, has this got so-and-so? And they go, I'll just go and check. And off they go. As you, st- They stand, and then they come back, some of them. I'm, I'm, some of them I've seen leaving the building. They go, I can't deal with him. I can't deal with him. Morning, Dave. Morning, Twinkle. Morning. Um, best kebab shop is the one in Bermondsey, Timesies. <laughs> They've always got time to have a chat with you. No matter whether they're busy, they always pass the time of day with you. You see, I always think if they're chatting to you in a kebab shop, there's something wrong with it. You know, no, why no, do no, they no, talk no, to you in a kebab? No. What are you doing in a kebab shop? You've got to go a long way to beat Timesies, I'll really? tell you. There's a very good uh, one in Edgware Road, which does... They don't do the uh, thing that they do. It's that they're sort of wrapped up. Looks a bit like a wrap. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, I've had one of those. That's yeah, quite nice. Very nice, yeah, very nice. nice, yeah. Eat one now. Go, going into to shops and asking. Now, I've just been into a place and I get two packets of cigars. Right. Um, I've asked for two packets of Henry Winsman Half Corona. He picked up Hamlet, he picked up Castellas, he picked up Classics. I said, no, and they're a big, big red packet right down the far end. I could see them. I said, they're on the bottom shelf, big red packet. And he... He picks them up and says, is this them? I said, yeah, where, it's where it says Henry Winterman on the front of it, that's the ones I want. And this ain't the first time it's happened. No. It's happened in other, other places as well. They just don't listen to what you're saying. No, I've had to they repeat just turn stuff. turn around and pick up the first thing that they put their hand on. Yes, yes. I mean, I've, I've stood in a store and I've said, uh, can I have... Two, well, I did something the other day. Can I have uh, 12 stamps? And so he goes, pardon? 
And so I then do it slowly <laughs> for them, thinking maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe I'm not articulate. You know, yeah, so I went, you, can you I have 12 stamps? You start doing it slowly yeah. and you start mouthing it, quite obviously, oh, you know. Um, in the end, I just, I just sort of stand there and I just think, well, it's, perhaps it's me. Perhaps it's me. I'm not pronouncing it properly, yes. you know. And I say it t- three, four times in some of the shops and yeah. they just don't, they just don't listen and they're not concentrating on what, what you're saying to them, you know. They just, I just find it very annoying. The Especially is... when I'm dying. Especially when I'm dying for a cigar. Well, exactly. I, I mean, it's yeah. annoying in the first instance, but you're first, right. First They're not listening. The they aren't listening because they've switched no. off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're thinking of something else, and you've then... And so they've gone, yes, but they're doing that automatically, the yes bit. Yeah. And you yeah, then ask right. for it, and they haven't yeah. heard you, and so they, they just pick something up off the shelf. Yeah, it was the first thing he came to was the, yeah. was the classics. So I said, no, it's not them. And then he went along the line, picking one up after the other. Mm. And I just shouted through the chaos. I said, no, they're a big red packet. Yeah. You, know, you can't miss annoying. them. They've got the name on the front. <laughs> because most of them can't read, though. That doesn't help. Well, neither can I. But I, I would understand what he was saying. You know, yeah. he, I said, they're a big red packet. And it's oh, oh, yeah. I said, right on the end. And I'm shouting through the chaos window. Mm. <laughs> I mean, in the end, you're right. I've sometimes thought to myself, because it's happened to me on a, on a, on a number of occasions, and I've thought, maybe I'm not articulate. Maybe they really cannot hear what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a terrible sounding voice, so, I mean, I, I, perhaps it is me, perhaps they don't understand me, but... No, um, I'm, I'm struggling myself. <laughs> <laughs> Only a little bit. Anyway, Sylvia, nice to talk to you. Have a good day. See you, mate. <laughs> There's Dave. But it's true, though, isn't it? We've all done that. You walk into a shop, and that's why it's driving you away from the high street. I mean, I can go through through the shops in in Twickenham, and they're all right. I tell you, I nearly burnt the top of my mouth off the other day. I told you, I never did to Kingston. It must have been on a on a Sunday morning, and I went to go and get uh, a cup of coffee. Now I have an extra dry skinny double shot cappuccino. Now extra dry means I don't want a lot of milk, and ninety percent of them. No, 99%, I'll tell you. Get it right. And th- and you hold it, and I can feel by the weight, I don't want a lot of milk in there. And so I got this one in Kingston. And normally what you get is foam. It's the foam. I want I want the coffee here. I don't want loads of milk because it's, it's, it's too hot. Anyway, so she does this. I walk out to the car. Do what I normally do. You try and suck your coffee up through a little tiny hole about an eighth of an inch across. It's all milk. This thing nearly takes the roof of my mouth off, and I nearly... Turned around, went back in and went, has somebody told you how to do an extra dry coffee before? Because you certainly don't put milk in. You put the foam in and, or, and you, you ask them, if they say extra dry, if you say dry, it weighs a certain thing. They have a weighing thing. They actually pick it up and they know what it is. But if you say extra dry, they should then say to you, do you, want, do you want any milk or no milk at all? Like they did in Covent Garden. Well, they were terribly polite because I've now got the the app on my phone where I can go in and hold it up against the little magic light, and it, it's done on my phone. It's so exciting. Uh, well, she's tried it ten times. In the end, she admitted it was her fault. I thought I was going to get a free cup of coffee, but wasn't so lucky, I'm afraid. But, uh, but they, they did it right. He went, you know, do you want any milk? And I said, just a little, little tiny bit, but mainly foam, just so it sort of waters it down a little bit. You have to ask for these things. But that's what I call good service. And quite clearly, good service is something that we're not getting... In the uh, in the marketplace, mainly because there's so many people working in shop, they don't even speak English. 
So you're struggling with that to start with, and and you and you try and do a bit of comedy and humour. You know, it's 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 the same. I mean, I have had it in Starbucks. Where you go and you go, I'll have uh, extra dry double shot cappuccino, uh, skinny milk because I'm looking after my figure. And then they go, anything else? You go, no, thank you. And they go, would you like a receipt with that? It's like a two way conversation. In the end, it's like a relationship, as far as I'm concerned. I'm practically going out with the person behind the counter. It's LBC ninety seven point three. Time now is five thirty. I love the idea. 5,000 shoppers surveyed. They said they'd walk out with their money intact. We call them shoplifters, ladies and gentlemen. That's the name for them. They just go in there, pick up the goods, don't bother paying, walk out the front door. Because they've reorganised Marks and Spencers in Twickenham. It's now shoplifters' delight. Because they've moved all the booze. The racks are so tall, you could pick it up, walk straight out the back, and nobody'd say a word. Oh, you've never seen such bad layout in your entire... And they've had to label it. Cheese. Butter. You know, milk. You know, just in case you weren't able to identify it for yourself. So 5,000 people, 9 out of 10 of you will leave a shop with your money unspent if the service isn't good enough. I've said before, vote with your feet. It's like if you're in a restaurant, you get bad service, don't leave a tip. You don't have to leave a tip. Mark in Islington says, I recently heard Jeremy Kyle was taking his show to America. Initially, I thought, hooray, stay there. Nope, it gets worse. He's got the cheek to send the American version back to us. In other words, two lots of rubbish. Yep, the all-important lie detector results. Yes, you did sleep with most of the street, you know, and yes, you do have children with five different people. And so it goes on. It's dreadful, isn't it? Dreadful, dreadful show. Might talk about that on the free podcast a little bit later. Free podcasters are out there, even even now as I speak, gearing up, because I cut so many items out of the paper over the weekend. Some are, some are very good. Some are even better than very, very good. And uh, and some are just really quite upsetting, I'm afraid. There's lots of lots of naff people featured in the Sunday papers. All oh, the bad news is, I'm afraid, Katie Paper Price, otherwise known as Jijiji Jordan, is going back into the recording studio. The even worse news is she's attempting to sing yet again. Remember the last album, Remaindered? It was so awful, her and Peter Andre. I mean, two non-singers on the same album. It beggared belief. Kind of thing people have put out years ago. It's a bit of a joke. But no, she's, 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 she's going to have another try. She's tried before. She ain't much copped it. But I suppose, really, she's so bored because she doesn't actually design or do anything. She just sits at home and people come to her agent and say, do you think Katie would like to endorse this? And they go, yeah, all right. How much? <laughs> That's how it goes. Jackie and Paddock Wood says uh, Percy's getting upset. He's the Crumbly's LBC mascot. So please say hello to him and get well Paul in Manchester. Who's not very... Everybody's ill, aren't they, at the moment? Have you noticed? Every single... I don't know people who are... I've never known a, a time when we've all had illness. And you know why? It's because the weather one minute is good, and the next minute it's rubbish. The next minute it's... I mean, today you'll go outside and you'll go, it's a bit chilly. I put a little coat on. I nearly went out the other day because the latest fashion accessory for men is like a quilted jacket made by Berber. Is it Berber? Barber. Barber. And uh, and I saw them because a friend of mine bought one in Selfridges and it was £110. And I thought, I'll buy one of those. And so I go into, uh, into uh, Bentall's and they've got them on offer there. They've reduced them down to £89. So I thought, I'll buy one. Well, I couldn't. They didn't have my size. Then you go up to large and I'm just slightly a little bit bigger than large. And so I didn't buy one. But I was looking at them thinking it's a lot of money for a piece of quilting. But everybody's wearing... All the trendy people are wearing them. And I didn't want to not be seen as being a trendy person. All, all, the, all the hip DJs around this building, they've all got them. And I, I thought, you know, I'm sure that, you know, even, even Dave on, on Capital's got one of these. They must have them. I'm sure even the boys on XFF, they've all got these. I want one as well. I don't want to not be seen as being trendy. Because when I go out, you know, I, I want people to look at me and think, trendy, not old man wearing clothes. 
You know, which is what they're, they're probably thinking at the moment. Uh, the weather for today, I can offer you no crumb of comfort whatsoever. Rain, 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 with the chance, wait for this, of a wintry shower. Now, for a wintry s- shower, read sleet or snow. It's not going to settle because uh, the temperature will go about 10 degrees. Warmer than yesterday, 4 degrees at the moment. Tonight, cloudy in the east, heavy rain, staying dry throughout the evening. Windy, so batten down your hatches. Tomorrow, uh, the rain will die away. Cloudy for much of the day, the high 8 centigrade. Wednesday, dry to start with, becoming windy and wet. Thursday and Friday, dry, breezy with bright or sunny spells. Uh, which is nice, isn't it? I can't remember what, what the day is on... I don't know what day we've got up to at the moment. I'm, I'm really losing tr- track of where I was supposed to be going at any one time. Because it's Johnny's birthday coming up very shortly. It's my birthday as well coming up very shortly. And, uh, and I'm going to be <laughs> as old as that. And uh, deep embarrassment all round, I think. Uh, Sue says, I went through a stage. I was highly menopausal at the time when I would tell shop assistants, <coughs> excuse me, I'm a very disgruntled customer and I'm about to walk out of the shop with a purse full of money. And a completely negative view of the shop. Is that okay? <coughs> I even sought out a manager at a DIY shop and insisted on taking him round the store, pointing out shoddy shelf displays and lack of price tickets. Also, Saturday staff, they haven't a clue about the merchandise. Uh, I went to buy a couple of goldfish from my local pet shop on Saturday, and the girl said they're about £3.50. As it turns out, they were £2.6 each. Ridiculous, isn't it? It is absolutely ridiculous. That you go out and nobody... Excuse me, I have to have a... Mm, quick sip of water. I brought a whole bottle in this morning just to make sure it lasts. <coughs> but nobody knows anything about the stock that they're selling. And I thought that that would have been um, the very way forward. I mean, if, if you're working in a shop and you're working in a cake shop, first of all, you familiarise yourself... With all the cakes, you might want to stick your finger in a few cream cakes just to see if the cream's okay. You know, have a little sample, and um, and that's how it works. To just stand there and look vacant is very, very odd. Very, very odd. Eight four eight five zero Steve LBC dot co dot uk or oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three Phil. <coughs> Excuse me. Says, I hope the Chinese interviewer gets the interview right first time. Can't ask for the head to be put back on. No, they, they shoot. They shoot. I'm going to need to take a break, I think, in a minute, actually. I'm going to have a most horrendous coughing fit in about five seconds, which is sort of building up at the moment. I'm just about to... I couldn't work out if I brought my little spray with me. So I'll have to have a spray at the moment, because it's one of these... <coughs> it's got a bit tickly at the moment, just a little bit tickly. So, have we got someone who could just slip in very quickly? Just have a quick slurp of water. Just, just very, very, just give me, give me five seconds. Oh, I needed that. 26, thank you very much indeed. Um, Chris lives in China. And uh, he says, I live in China. Those convicted of horrendous crimes do get uh, topped and the ordinary people support it. Homosexuality is not illegal in China. It certainly was in this particular case. There might be openly gay bars, but uh, they don't get arrested. Well, I don't know. I'm watching clips on the television today of some horrendous things going on in China. Perhaps you're a bit cosseted. He says, uh, the whole cultural comparison is interesting on the crime aspect. For example, graffiti does not exist. If somebody robs a bank, which is rare, wanted posters go up. It's rare to see police other than directing traffic. People feel very safe and and threatened. People feel safe and threatened. Can it be both? Safe and threatened? But, uh, well, I tell you what, they've got the worst human rights issues in China than anywhere else. 
absolutely the worst human rights. It's, it's just dreadful. And so executions going on all the time. Um, Julie says, I heard that uh, girls allowed are reforming next year. Yes, I heard that they were reforming. There was an interview with somebody in one of the papers over the weekend. I think I cut it out for the free podcast. And, uh, and it says that they're going to get back together again. I thought, how awful. How dreadful. We don't really want to see them back together, do we? I mean, they were all right first time round, but I don't, I don't know what they've been doing since then. Well, one's been in rehab. Uh, <clears throat> one's had a, a failed marriage and a failed career in America. And, uh, and now apparently is advising her friends on buying houses, which I find very strange. Do you buy cheap alcohol? We've talked about customer service today. And there's lots of supermarkets that are offering uh, cheap alcohol. They do three bottles of wine for a tenner. Now, I work on the assumption three bottles of wine for a tenner... So you're looking at, what, sort of £3 a little bit each, <clears throat> which means that there's probably a lot of profit in that, which means it's probably a 50p bottle of wine, and, and, and you're buying it. But I wonder, really, I spoke to somebody the other day, and they said that they've been to the supermarkets, and they've bought three bottles for a tenner, and they've said it's actually not bad wine. And I've said, yeah, but it must be really cheap to produce. I know that in France... You know, you can buy bottles of wine for 50p or 75p. And I suppose it could be wines like this, but they seem to be from around the world. So it's very interesting that we're all going out there and we're all buying into, you know, the uh, the Marks and Spencers or Waitrose, all these, you know, a meal deal for £10 or £20. And that comes with a starter, a main course and a side, a dessert, a bottle of wine. I think on Valentine's Day, you've got a box of chocolates as well. All for £20. They're all doing it. And it's obviously the way forward. So when you go out, do you look for the, the deals on the alcohol? Would you be tempted into a supermarket if they would do I mean, I, I have to be honest, I do go out and check prices on alcohol. Not all the time, you know. I don't think I spend my time hanging around the off-licence section. But I, I do have a look. And I, and I do like to sort of find out if I'm getting good value. Because sometimes the, the wine that I drink, which is a, a Pinot Grigio from Waitrose, Canaletto, is, uh, I think they normally sell it for about £7. Well, I can get it for about £4 a bottle. So I'm thinking, if they're selling for £7, and I'm buying it for £4, and they're making a huge profit on it, I'm assuming Waitrose must be making a massive amount of profit. The profit on wine must be enormous. Because, I, I mean, I now go out and I buy cases, because a case is only really six bottles. Uh, and I get it from Costco, and it works at about £4.28 a bottle. Me and Lynn will, will go and buy some, we'll sort of split it or something like that. But there's huge profits on this, but it's what gets you into supermarkets, apparently. You go to supermarkets, and, and you will be tempted by the wine offers. In fact, in Waitrose, in particular, they have certain bits of shelving where they go, and today, you know, wet wipes are two for, for £1.80 or this. And, and I always look at those, thinking, is there anything I need, and would I buy it? It's like sometimes you go into the chemist and they go, it's three for the price of two, cheapest item. For, and you think, well, I only want one. Why would I want three of the blooming things? How long do they last for? The answer is they last for, for ages and ages. So we're obviously tempted. It's just that when we get in the shops, we don't get the service. In a supermarket, you're not expecting service because you walk up and down the aisles by yourself. You decide what goes in the basket and you decide which checkout you want to use. Hopefully one that's, that's a little bit quicker than anybody else's. The girl said to me the other day, Marks and Spencer, I was in very early <clears throat> on Sunday morning. And you can shop, but you can't buy till 11 o'clock. So we all stand by our appointed tills waiting. And I said to the girl, I'll have a bag for life. It lasts me about five minutes. So I, I bought this bag for life. Put it, she went, oh, she said, you, you've made, she was only a young girl. She said, you've made some savings there, some extra savings. It was £28. And she said, it's only £24. 
well, it was very nice. What was that on? She went, that's on your desserts. I went, how nice. So I bought two cherry crumbles, which were quite delicious. When you, 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 you buy one cherry crumble, which is a double pack, then you get the other one for half price. Seemed like a bargain to me. I'm a person who enjoys a bargain when he goes out shopping. Not to the point of being silly and downloading vouchers, but I do like a bit of a bargain in a shop. 14 minutes to six. Morning, 12 minutes to six. So after poor Bridget had the driving rain yesterday, then the hour of snow, she said they went out for lunch because it, uh, it was David's birthday. They drove through floods on the way out and slushy, slushy snow on the way back. Well, when I came into town yesterday, the queues, as I say, trying to get over the Hammersmith flyover were absolutely appalling. You'd think they'd be pulling out all the stops to get the the place ready and to get it done, wouldn't you? But no, just not. Just not. And it must be so frustrating for all the people driving yesterday. I I went via Chiswick, but of course that gets a bit busy as well as you come off of the the elevated section at the Hogarth Roundabout. All in all, a, a real Blooming nuisance, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Yes, yeah, so the, the bad news is Katie Price is going back into the recording studio. I've got no idea. Um, uh, 84850, uk. Uh, I see that, uh, looking at the papers this morning for Nick Ferrari... Actually, you don't want to miss this programme this morning. I don't say that every day anyway. Chris Blackhurst, editor of The Independent. They're going to be talking about Britain's most senior Catholic slamming the gay marriage... And uh, there's various comments in the papers around Widdicombe and people like that. And uh, former Met Police Commander Ali Desai will join Nick in the studio, sharing his experiences of prison and explaining what needs to be changed to improve the rehabilitation of prisoners. And uh, you'll hear the players' reaction to the sacking of yet another Chelsea manager. So there you go. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk uh, Berber jackets, barber jackets, so last year. No, they're so this year. They're absolutely in all the fashion mags. They're in all the fashion mags. They're certainly not last year. And we don't buy anything Swedish. Certainly not. No, definitely not. We're not doing stuff like that. Uh, Richard says, marriage confers the right to transfer unlimited amounts of money to one's partner in life and death without any tax liability. Is there any reason why I shouldn't make this arrangement with my brother or sister and keep the money in the family? Uh, no. By the way, where are the steps by the Thames you mentioned last week. I'll tell you exactly where they are. Come over the uh, the bridge, as if you're uh, by, uh, by uh, Parliament Square. Turn left to go down the embankment, heading, uh, heading out. And just literally about 100 yards down there, on the piece of grass, at the back, on the left-hand side, uh, is, uh, is where you'll find the steps. It's that good. It's that good. Uh, 84850, Graham in Rice says, Am I the only listener... Who's fed up with seeing Mickey Flanagan on our TV screens? He's on everything. I, for one, don't find him funny. Um, I don't even know who he is. Is he another one who's doing one of these charity things at the moment to try and get some some interest? I don't know. I'm sure he's actually brilliant. Uh, eight for eight five zero. B in Hackney. Uh, Katie Price has shown yet again that life is just all about her. She's dumped the latest project, some model who she created. Yes, that was in the Sunday papers. Remember we had this, this Project Katie, which was the biggest pile of rubbish on television ever seen. And, uh, and then the, the model who won it, oh, yeah, she's going to be this and that. You knew it was going nowhere, didn't you? You knew that it was going absolutely nowhere. Uh, so that, that was a bit of a shame, really. A little bit of a shame. And the girl said, I don't want anything more to do with her. And Katie Price managed to say, oh, there was never a luxury holiday on offer. And we sent her to, I don't know, Marbella or something. And, th- and they couldn't get the insurance for her for the Land Rover, which they'd, uh, they'd been promised. So, th- that was a bit t- so, in other words, the whole thing was a waste of time. Nobody watched it when they filmed down at, uh, 
at the big um, shopping centre down at Shepherd's Bush. They were trying to coerce people, trying to coerce people to go there. Uh, <clears throat> another one here says, uh, this is Kevin the Milkman, who says, I give the sort of service to my customers that I would expect myself. Maybe that's why I've doubled the number of customers I've had in seven years, all gained by word of mouth. Morning to all the Crumblies, the core of the, uh, of the hardcore, and morning to Paul in Manchester. Uh, Steve uh, <clears throat> says, Paul, I think the staff in Poundland are very helpful. I ask them all, how much is this? Yes. Uh, Steve, you said you shop by recommendation. What have your local fish shop recommended Pollock, said Phil? They have. They have recommended Pollock. <clears throat> and uh, I've said, I don't know, I just don't like the sound of it, I'm afraid. Tom Lehrer was the man who wrote Poisoning Pigeons in the Park. Thank you very much, D.D. He wrote lots of very funny, sometimes rude songs. And uh, David in Brentwood says he also wrote classics such as Mac Masochism Tango and The Element Song. Uh, another one here. Jan, I've been queuing in the hairdresser. Well, a girl served a person which took ages as the customer kept changing her mind about when to make an appointment when the phone rang. With hand on the phone, she asked me if I minded her answering the phone. I said I did, and she continued to make the appointment. I thought she was going to blow up. Her face was purple with rage. Uh, I was in Waitrose. I got to the till. The girl said, sorry about the weight. I said, don't worry. You'll lose it if you go on a diet. It's an old gag, but it's worth trying later on today. Uh, one here uh, is uh, Tracy, who says, as we said before... Marks and Spencers give the best service. <clears throat> I, think it, I think you get the service you expect in shops. I think when you go in there, if you start off with a big smile, then it always works. Uh, Anne and David in Brentwood know all about Tom Lehrer and the poisoning pigeons in the park, which is great. Uh, David in Brentwood, he's, he goes to a shop in Chelmsford. They, the guys who work upstairs are very knowledgeable and helpful. You tend to find people who work in music shops are very helpful. Because they ha you have to, you know, if you're going to work in a, in a music shop, you've got to know about the business, haven't you? You have to know uh, exactly about, uh, about what you're selling. I parked in, a, in a, uh, a road the other day, and it was all full of music shops. And I thought, you're not going to find somebody else in there who doesn't know about music. They're going to be experts. They're going to be people who are interested in what they're selling. James says, I worked for WH Smith for 20 years. Customer service, 50% enthusiasm and 50% good training. Sadly, both lacking, I'm afraid. They don't train people now, do they? They don't. They just sort of say, right, there you go. And that's, you know, you just pick it up. But you've got to have an interest. You've got to have uh, one here. says, see it. See at least one person over 40 for every staff member over 25 or walk out. All your bad service in shops with the under 25s. Well, you don't see people over 25 working in shops now, I'm afraid. Um, another one here. And uh, somebody else who doesn't like seeing Mickey Flanagan, I'm afraid. And uh, one here says, I've worked in retail. And I can tell you the reason why your average assistant is unresponsive is because, is because they're wearing an armour of indifference to shrug off the streams of abuse they have to endure daily. What a load of old rubbish. You don't endure streams of abuse. I've been spat at, endured lurid remarks, and on one occasion threatened to be stabbed. Well, there you go. <laughs> Obviously working in the wrong kind of shop. He says the reason why people are so ignorant of their stock is because nobody stays in one job long enough for the... Uh, for the, uh, for the management to justify the cost of training. There is no cost of training in a shop. When you go into a shop and they take you on as a retailer, there's no cost involved. They just explain about it. I was selling carpets. I went, I was sent, didn't cost anything to the management, I was sent on a, on a training course to sell one particular kind of carpet, but I learnt the business because I was interested. Because I was interested. Very, very interested in it. If you're not interested, if you're just doing the job, 
you know, as, you know, as that, you know, then, then very dull, very boring. And uh, facts about China, all correct, Sam, all correct. Uh, you know, perhaps, perhaps not in your book, but there again, people obviously spat at you. There's always a reason for people spitting at you. If you've got an indifference to them or you've got a big chip on your shoulder, then that, that's not going to help at all, I'm afraid. You have to, it has to work both ways, doesn't it? It has to work both ways. You know, if you greet somebody with a, a sullen face, nobody's going to be interested. Lidl apparently do a great Merlot from Chile at three ninety nine. You see, that's about the price for a bottle of wine now, isn't it? There'll be people listening in Essex going, oh, blimey. You know, that, that three ninety nine is about... They think... I remember somebody once phoning up. We did a wine programme on LBC 97.3. And they said, I've just bought this, this uh, wine. And it was the two bottles for, I think, a fiver or something. They said, uh, do you think it'll keep for a number of years? I said, I shouldn't think so, no. I drink it immediately. All wine unless you're buying from Berry Brothers and Rudd or those sort of people, the wine specialist is meant to be drunk. Anything that you buy in a supermarket is drink now. You know, you don't, you don't lie it down and keep it for several years. It's a bit pointless. And incidentally, if you're buying, you know, certain wines and you might not be drinking them for a few months, do lie them down. You don't want, Mind you, I was so, trying to think the last time I opened a bottle of wine with a cork. Don't find a bottle of wine with a cork. Now, it's either a plastic cork or it's a screw top. An absolute boon in this day and age, as far as I'm concerned. You know, so you don't find... Very rarely do you find a bottle of wine, unless it's a good bottle of wine, that's got a cork in it. And even when it is a good bottle of wine, the cork will turn out to be a plastic replica. And I, I, I quite like the, uh... The, uh... The sort of... The screw top on a bottle. It's so much easier. I remember having sc- bottle openers and this and things which... And, done, and that and there and a funny face and... Uh, pull the top and you'd be there forever. And then the cork would break. As you're trying to get it out, and you're stuck. They have to push the cork in to the bottle, which is even worse. Mark says, to save time and money, Chelsea have sacked their next manager. They don't keep them long, do they? Am I right in thinking, was it Jose Mourinho was a manager of Chelsea? Yes. Look at me knowing about football. This time of the world, honestly, I tell you, you've just heard history in the making. Steve Allen knows something about football. I couldn't tell you the name of the last manager who was fired, but, uh, but they don't last far. I wonder who they fall out with. Do you think they fall out with, with Roman Abramovich? Or, or do you think they're, they're just not very good? I'm quite fascinated by the whole football sort of edict where the people who earn a small fortune and... Oh, there's a piece I've cut out. I'll save it for the, uh, for the free podcast. And it's Christy Bleakley saying, I can't make people like me. I know, it's so true, dear, you can't. You absolutely cannot make people like you. Once they dislike you on, on the television... That, that, that's it. You're, you're doomed. It doesn't matter what programmes you turn up on. As I said earlier on, the worst programme is this Dancing for Sport Relief with Steve Jones and that other Jones woman, who I think used to be his girlfriend. I'm sure they used to go out together years ago. And Alex Jones, tr- from the one show, dreadful present. I mean, just... It's the worst presentational stuff I've ever seen on television. I mean, he acts like a five-year-old. You know, he's, he can't even act properly. Perhaps it's all his training at Channel 4, where they train him to be a youth presenter. For that meaning, you can't really move into adult television. Dermot O'Dreary is exactly the same. He only knows how to do one sort of presentation. And, and it's sloppy. Very sloppy and lazy. Uh, I see that uh, Mark the Bailiff also is not a fan of Mickey Flanagan. Does anybody like Mickey Flanagan? We can't, can't seem to find anybody who likes him at all this morning. And yet he seems to be everywhere. Apparently he's just done something to raise money. So he's kayaked or done something. They all do charity, don't they? At some point, charity. But it, it doesn't excuse somebody if they're not particularly good. I don't know him. He's the... Um, I wonder whether or not... Is, is he the... Is, it, is, he, is he from Liverpool or something like that, Mickey Flanagan? I can't remember. Not. No. That's John... Ah, that's John B. Is he the one who talks like that? It's not, it's not a very... No, he's not like that at all, is it? I don't know why I bothered. I don't do accents. I can't help it. 
<laughs> but I don't know who they all are. I'm sure one of them was at the theatre over here, and I don't think it was John Bishop. I can hear John Bishop's voice in my uh, in my mind, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's about as far as it goes. It's not going to manifest itself uh, in my mouth. Uh, apparently, Whitney Houston's wild daughter, Bobby, will inherit a billion pounds from her mum, sparking for... What billion pounds? There is no billion pounds. Whitney Houston got rid of all the uh, the money. Abby Clancy has lifted the lid on her marriage to Peter Crouch and said we get into terrible fights. Well, there you go, then. I mean, I should imagine that's quite normal for everybody nowadays, isn't it? Everybody's in a relationship. At some point, you know, people argue. I see Piers, Piers Drogan has landed his first Hollywood movie role. He's going to be in Denzel Washington's new one. Lovely. Morning. Miserable day today. I'm so sorry. It's Monday. I mean, I know that's, that's bad enough to have a miserable Monday anyway, but now we can have uh, rain and there could be some wintry showers a little bit later on. Although, looking at the weather in, in Moscow at the moment, they've got snow, so we might as well have our, uh, our fair share of it. They say it's coming back in again. They say that the winter weather is coming back in, which is not great. Ali Desai will be with Nick Ferrari this morning talking about life in prison. Uh, they're going to be talking as well about uh, one part of the Catholic Church uh, being very anti-gay people marrying in the church. And in a couple of the papers, Anne Whittacombe has stuck her six pedeth in, saying gay people don't want to marry in the church. A sweeping generalisation, of course. She only knows about four people. And, uh, and Christopher Biggins said, apparently, he didn't want to get married in a church. But that's a personal thing to him. But uh, they're not speaking for everybody. Barbara Windsor's in the paper today. Lovely Barbara was down there flying the flag for Britain at Buckingham Palace. She hosted a tea party for young scouts ahead of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Do you know, you look at the scouts here, they look about the same age I was when I was a cub. (laughs) Perhaps they've all shrunk. And the cowboy builders, the big fat uh, traveller swindlers, who've got to pay back 1.3 million to people they conned in a cowboy building racket. Tip of the iceberg. Frank Tomney, 55, his twin sons... And nephew tricked 42 residents into paying extortionate fees for botched jobs. They were trapped after one of them, too stupid for his own good, put a film of himself on YouTube bragging about how he used a carton of milk as driveway sealant to con an ex-serviceman out of £800. One elderly woman paid £31,000 for shoddy paving work. The Tomneys, who live on a caravan site, an embarrassment to other decent people who live on caravan sites, targeted homes in Manchester and Hertfordshire, specifically old people. During raids on the Tomneys' properties, three secure boxes were found with cash inside, totalling £480,000. Small wonder they could afford these big, fat gypsy weddings if they're doing that kind of work. They also found 17,000 quid shoved in a Gucci designer shoebox. Anyway, Tommy Senior, otherwise known as the Fat Ugly One, has now been jailed for five and a half years for fraud and tax evasion. Strangely enough, his twin sons have also been jailed for the same thing. And uh, the nephew, Brian Tomney, was jailed for four and a half years for tax evasion and fraud. This is probably ru- riot in this building, because the other one, Paddy Doherty, was on the front of the sun the other day. Remember the good friend of Sally Burko? who needs to choose her friends a little bit more carefully, he's being investigated, apparently, for tax reasons. Well, I should imagine you could probably go through every traveller site, couldn't you? We've always asked the question, same as the taxman occasionally will pick on somebody or whatever, and they'll get... Especially if you're in the news, especially if you're on the front pages, they start going, wait a minute, so you're affording this and that, let's have a look at your tax return. I don't think so. And that's when they clamp down. So these, uh, this vile family of the Tomneys, 1.3 million they've had to pay back. Fantastic. You know, anybody who targets old people is possibly the lowest of the low. I don't think you become any lower than that. I think that's practically scraping yourself on the uh, on the pavement. Uh, poor old Gary, 
Well, he had his first 10-kilometre race on Sunday at Sandown Racecourse. Rain and a little sun. No snow. No, we didn't have any snow, but everybody else is getting it at the moment. A nice time at the triathlon show held at the venue afterwards. He said, I'm still trying to get rid of a cough I've had now for over a month, even after antibiotics, although there is some improvement. Yes, I've done the antibiotics. <coughs> I've done the course of those. Uh, Saturday, I spent the whole time literally coughing, coughing. In fact, at one point, I thought, I don't think I'm going to have any chest left at the end of this. <laughs> and it's annoying because everybody's got it. I'm into week six. Although one lady wrote in and said that she'd actually uh, had it uh, for the best part of a year. So it's obviously, it's very annoying, isn't it? Because I can, I can chat and chat and chat and chat and chat and it's fine. Then all of a sudden, like it happened, you know, 45 minutes ago, all of a sudden you get this, you think, I'm going to cough again, I'm going to cough. Uh, also the papers today, apart from talking about this dreadful service that we're getting in shops, which, you know, I think you, you get the kind of service that you deserve. I think if you go into a shop, I think if you smile at somebody, you know, that's fine. We had somebody earlier on said they'd been spat at in a shop. Well, I'd call the police for that. You'd have to be immensely stupid to put up with anything like that. Unless you're working in one of those sort of shops where they they go for that kind of thing. I've cut a story out of the newspapers on Sunday because it's about betting shops. And it's a woman who works in a betting shop by herself. The company will not spend the money. And it's one of the big chains. And she said she's been attacked... Because she's in there at some point up until 10 o'clock at night by herself in an area of London. And the chain, I'll tell you what it is on the, uh, on the free podcast a bit later on. And she said she's been attacked. She's been held up. And the company said, well, don't, don't, don't just give the people the money or whatever else. So she said she's now frightened to go into work. And apparently the company will not spend the money putting two people in there. And you know when you go into betting shops, these people need be, to be behind glass. Because people go in there and they play on the fruit machines... And then they come over, and they know that there's money behind the counter, and some people are going to risk it. Like earlier on, we were hearing, you know, and I rather flippantly was saying to them next door, you know, they were saying that uh, in this part of Lambeth, it's, it's gang culture. I said, well, I live in Twickenham. We don't have any gangs. Perhaps I should start one. Perhaps I should be part of a gang. It's just ridiculous now, these gangs, where people go out, and another 17-year-old is dead because of gang culture. It's quite ridiculous. Quite ridiculous. It's always, but you see bad behaviour on the television all the time. You only have to turn on the Jeremy Carl show to watch foul-mouthed people. You see it everywhere. Even on The Only Wears Essex. You know, The Only Wears Essex, Lydia Dim, in a spot of bother, having a row with a man after a night out. You can see the hatred on her face. Luckily it was captured. And, uh, oh, quite clearly, not a very nasty, you know, a very nasty person. And this is bad behaviour. Bad, bad behaviour. Grow up. Stop being so stupid. It's so infuriating, you know, because people now... I mean, there's a story in the paper today of a girl who, who took cocaine after her friend found a dealer's stash in a box of Pringles at school. So she tried it, like kids do. There's adverts currently running on television now trying to make sure... <coughs> excuse me, that if you've got any chemicals, you keep them well away from children. Because if, if you don't, kids try things. And it doesn't matter whether it's brightly coloured or it's, <coughs> excuse me, white powder. Kids touch things. We had it in a London club, didn't we? A very well-known London club years ago where some kids were in there and they found some cocaine. On the f- and they just, they just dabbed at it. They didn't know what it was. And you think it's everywhere now. It's just everywhere. But, to, you know, to find it, a stash in a, in a box of Pringles. I mean, good God in heaven. And a ten-year-old tries it. I mean, you'd expect ten-year-olds to be a little bit more aware, but... Probably they're not, I'm afraid. 
84850, uk. If you work in, in retail, do let me know. Is it actually as bad as, as they say it is? Do customers really treat you badly? And if you're a hay fever sufferer, have you started suffering already? I know it seems ridiculous, but they're saying it started early. Are you a sufferer of hay fever? 0845 And has it really started? They say 16 million of you are now suffering because of the uh, of the strange weather that we've got at the moment. Which is not great news, is it, I'm afraid? So if you're a hay fever sufferer, do let me know. 0845 Poor old Charles has said my hay fever's definitely started. Couldn't quite believe it over the weekend. There was no stopping me sneezing. I've always loved the show. It makes waking up on Monday morning a little bit better. Yes. <laughs> it does, actually. It's, it, traditionally, you don't want to wake up. Well, you do want to wake up. You know, because it's kind of it's kind of the best way forward for life, as far as I'm concerned. But it's just at the moment. It's Monday, the weekend. I walked in this morning, and Imran said, "How was your weekend?" And I went, "I went short." They don't seem to be too long now. You finish on Friday, and I had things to do Friday, and then you get Saturday, and then Sunday, and you go. And the time you come back, I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday. He said this was about four thirty. Said you'll be going to bed soon, won't you? And I went, "Yeah, I will." It's odd, isn't it, really? So if you've started. Glenda says, I punch the air with glee when I hear the pollen count is high. My ex-husband suffers with hay fever, so thank you for making my day. <laughs> Janice says, do you take BP tablets? I don't know what BP tablets are. Uh, I thought Mickey Flanagan was born in the East End, says Joy. I've, I've no idea. I'm sorry, I know nothing. I've looked at a picture of him. Bethnal Green. All right. I've looked at a picture of it. I've, I couldn't tell you what his comedy is. Nothing. I know nothing about him at all. He just sounds familiar, doesn't he? He just sounds familiar. In fact, Joy likes him. Uh, Steve, with such huge issues, whenever I ask for normal, ordinary white coffee with cold milk in any of our wonderful high street coffee shops, I'm always asked whether I mean latte or espresso. To which I always respond with the fact, this is England, we use the word milk. Is it too much to ask of non-British workers in these coffee stores? Well, what you can have is, you can just have an ordinary coffee. They do filter coffee. And, And you just ask for filter coffee. And when you ask for filter coffee, they will then give you that the coffee which doesn't come out of their uh, their whizzy espresso machine which is quite nice i don't have a don't have a problem with that i'm probably drinking far too much of it um i see that uh, lots of people talking about the uh, the meteor lighting up the sky i never saw it i saw the the hazy pictures on the television news i can understand why people thought it was a one of those chinese balloons with the the night light in it which incidentally if you're thinking of buying them for a party don't bother the air has got to be so still for this thing to take off You'll just waste your time. You'll waste your time, and you light the little candle inside, and it floats, and it's all lovely. But if there's a gust of wind, you've lost them. Pointless. But this uh, this one uh, lasted about 30 to 40 seconds. And so I saw it on the news, and I, thought, I couldn't tell what it was. But you can understand a lot of people. I'm surprised we haven't had all the barmies coming out going, oh, it was an unidentified flight. It was a spaceship from another world. Because you'd like to believe that, wouldn't you? But uh, but unfortunately, we, uh, we can't. Uh, if you're a Halifax... Uh, member, I'm afraid you're going to be paying more from your mortgage very, very shortly. They've uh, they've upped the rates. RBS have upped the rates a little bit as well. Uh, and don't forget, if you're an RBS customer and you don't want to move to Santander, just go and ask for the um, for the forms. You can transfer to a to another branch. A lot of people talking uh, in the paper. Well, in fact, actually, Carol Ann Rice is talking here about uh, Lisa Maxwell who, for some reason... Obviously, the, the Sunday Mirror have got a thing about putting the loose women on there. I don't know why, because there was a picture of Denise Welsh, who turned up, surprisingly, with a glass of wine in her hand to go and see uh, Russell Grant at the London Palladium. And, of course, Denise looking, you know, 
three sheets to the wind, as per usual, I'm afraid. A little bit of an embarrassment to the over-70s. And, um, and they, 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 they were talking about all the loose women and how Lisa Maxwell got engaged. Uh, what th- they made it sound as if it was something really quite exciting. Whereas she's been with a partner for 12 years. They have a 12-year-old daughter. It's taken 12 years, you know, for this poor creature to actually get anywhere near, you know, because he wasn't going to ask her. So they had to wait till that happened. And, uh, and they were saying to all, you know, lots of people, you know, trying to sort of, you know, propose to their boyfriends. And the boyfriend's going, no. And then, and then people do it on bended knee. People do it, you know, on the television programme. You'd always dread it, don't you? On a television programme. So-and-so's got a question to ask you. They, oh, God, they're going to propose, aren't they? And you have to sort of smile and think, well, I'm not really over keen on the idea. Not over keen. There's a lovely story in the Express today of... Um, of one man who raised a family according to his dying wife's 100 wishes. He's turned it into a bestseller. And, and I've seen this before with people, where they've, they've written down everything and, uh, you know, go and see the Northern Lights. Very popular one, that, the Northern Lights. Uh, would love the boys to find their own four-leaf clovers. And so he's turned it into a best-selling book. But the best story I read was over the weekend. And it was about uh, a woman. It was two, two women, best friends... And uh, one of the women, her husband, died of cancer. Awfully, and they had, I think, four children. She also got cancer. And as a result, she unfortunately died. But the children were adopted by her best friend. So her best friend has got all the children now. And, it's, and she's just got an award for sort of doing something nice. The kids were sort of reasonably young. They went for a very difficult period just after they sort of moved in. She said we had to sort of rearrange the house and the dining room. But it was such a touching story of, of, of doing something for a close friend. And what could be more touching than, you know, having lost their father, then their mother, she took them in and has raised them as if they are her own. And it's, it's just really, you know, one of the most touching things. And this is very touching as well which is uh, Finn and Reef and Sinjin Green. I've never heard of names like that. Finn and Reef. Are they Irish names? They must be. But to do them, says, don't let them ride a motorcycle or scooter, especially on the road. Don't let them smoke and remind them why. And uh, would like the driveway done. <laughs> Put all these things down in this list of 100, of 100 items. And it's very, very touching, very touching thing. I like it when people do things like that. I've, I've read these sort of books before and really just break your heart. Joe says, retail. My husband was a manager of a well-known store, Steve. He was called to assist a female colleague with a customer who was being verbally abusive. The abuse continued to the point where my husband told the customer what he thought of them. Foul-mouthed man complained. Hubby got sacked. And the customer was free to continue to shop in the store. The customer always being right is all very well. But some companies, including this well-known chain, have got no backbone and fail their employees. Being a police officer, I'm used to being abused on a daily basis. But that's another discussion. Probably another programme, I should imagine. Another programme. It's funny. Yes, it used to be. I mean, I've, I've, I've been in stores before. I've never got into an argument with anybody because I've worked retail. I've worked both sides of the counter. So I know how the system works. And as I said before, you know, you treat people the way you would want to be treated. And uh, if, if you start off with a big smile and go, you're going to absolutely hate me, but this and this, they then go out of their way to help you. People, people are like that. They, they will do it. Because they don't want to stand there all day. There's no point in being, being miserable. I just find, I, I do like, one, which place is it? I'm trying to think. It's one of the supermarkets. As opposed to, when you, when you lose something, you go, excuse me, can you tell me where the baked beans are? Because they move things around every so often. And in this particular supermarket... As opposed to just pointing, it could be Waitrose, actually. As opposed to just pointing, saying it's down there over on the right, aisle four or whatever, they take you to it. And that, I think, is quite good, because that means that they actually know where all the, where all the stock is. 
and uh, and uh, and it serves them well because I like people to know exactly what the stock is. As I said before, it's like going into the fish shop, Sandy's in Twickenham, and saying, you know, crabs. Whereabouts do these ones come from? And the bloke looking at you blankly. You know, I would expect them because they're ex- you wouldn't want to go work in a fish shop out of choice, would you? The smell alone is enough to put you off. I would expect them to know where their crabs come from. And, uh, you know, in the same way, if you go to the butcher's shop, I would expect them to know the history of every piece of meat that's on the, on the shelf. Uh, Bryn Williams and Annie, morning, sent me a lovely letter. Yesterday there was a luncheon given in honour of Dame Vera Lynn on her 95th celebration. It's not her birthday until the 20th of this month, and she's going to be 95. She was at the Festival of Remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall. And uh, they had Kate Adie speaking, uh, water rat Bob the Cat Bevan, followed by rat Tom O'Connor, uh, who fl- Bob Bevan had flown down from Belfast. He went to Frank Carson's funeral. They had uh, Baroness Fluella Benjamin, an absolute delight, and Christopher Biggins, also Michael Aspel, and... Uh, and they uh, they were good, so I'm glad you had a really really lovely time down there. What a great what a great lineup, great lineup. There is a Dame Vera Lynn Trust, and they've got children there from the ages of naught uh, to five, born with deficiencies, and they looked after and taught to adapt and cope with their physical deficiencies, which is lovely. Thank you very much indeed for that, Bryn. Hope you and Annie are, uh, are very very well. Don't forget there is going to be the free podcast this morning. That'll be available just after the program. Nick Ferrari's got Ali Desai. And he'll be on the programme with him today, talking about what needs to be changed to improve the rehabilitation of prisoners. And the Catholic Church, has it gone too far in its opposition to gay marriage? And yet another Chelsea manager bites the dust. In fact, almost I can, I can hear that music being played even as I mention it this morning. Uh, Andreas uh, Villas-Boas sacked as the Chelsea manager. So uh, what happens next? Suppose they find another one and he stays there for a little while and he gets uh, fired. Why no women doing it? Why no women doing it? I'm going to be back with you... Tomorrow morning, if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, then you can learn about podcasting. You can download the free podcast. There's quite a number of them up there already, and it's on iTunes as well. And if you go to the Steve Allen page, there's all the, uh, all the, other, the other bits and pieces. And, of course, we'll have the blog up there a little bit later on. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. And uh, that's between 4 and 6.30. And if you've got any other res- uh, remedies for, for coughs that refuse to go away, although we had a lady this morning who's had hers for a year and still no sign of it disappearing. And I've only had mine six weeks now, so anybody else like Gary who's only had it four weeks, you've got ages to go, ages and ages to go. Don't forget, wrap up warm today. It's going to be a little bit chilly out there and some wintry showers a little bit later on. Keep the radio tuned to LBC 97.3. Have a very, very pleasant day. Talk to you tomorrow morning, next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder.